What up, what up, what up? Welcome in. This is episode 87 of the SoCo Show. This is, of course, <laughs> Fisty McRopes Third. Oh, sorry. Sir Fisty McRopes III. Oh, yeah. I have been knighted. Uh, hopefully for the that. final time. Uh, but not for the final time. I am joined, as always, by Seth Hatt. Or is it? Or is it? Nah, stay tuned to the end to figure out if we continue doing the show. A lot of stuff going on this week. Uh, none of it news. <laughs> no, we had no news this week because Seth and I uh, were gallivanting around in the desert uh, of Las Vegas uh, looking for various things and uh, didn't have time to read the news. But uh, we do still have a lot of fun stuff that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we have a, a cool ass mama number five. Uh, TV corner. We got some reviews. We have a trailer that I bet you didn't think we were going to talk about this week. <laughs> and um, and uh, of course we're gonna we're gonna do the new release rectal exam because it is the final episode of the month of March. Uh, all that plus our review of us, and we will get into a spoiler section on us. So if you've seen the movie, make sure you uh, check that out. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check out the timestamp so you can avoid our spoilers. We don't want to ruin the movie for you. But uh, like I said, we. We were running around in the desert for a few days there, Seth. Are you, are you recovered yet? <laughs> not not sleep-wise, but uh, body-wise, I am. You know, as people at work today were asking me, hey, Co, like, you, know, you have a fun time in Vegas? I was like, yes, and uh, moving a little slowly today because of it. So I was a little groggy. You took the day off and slept. I went to work and uh, wish I hadn't because <laughs> I was pretty sluggish. But I feel, I feel okay now, so I feel show-ready. Uh, the, the listeners need not worry about fatigue. And like I said, we um, don't have any news, but we do have a lot of segments. And if you're going to look at the description box, it looks like a short show, but I bet it's not. <laughs> every, time I, every time I think we're going to have a quick show, uh, we don't. So we'll see what exactly we get into. I think there's a lot of fun stuff here. So uh, we're going to get started in just a second. Before we do, I have to let people know about uh, this week's word of the week, our secret word of the week. The word of the week is flabbergasted. Flabbergasted is the word of the week. There you go, Seth. The listeners know the word of the week, but you do not. Is it tungsten? kept a secret from you. Say it again. Is it tungsten? Uh, It is not tungsten. One of my favorite metals, not one of my favorite words. That's what I was just hoping for, personally. Yeah, um it's a it's a strange word to say so every time i do say it i get a little tungsten tied and it's a it's a it's a struggle for me Ooh, we're off des- to a hot start you don't deserve that one i do too deserve it fuck you <laughs> here we go let's get into the show we're gonna start like we always do with some chic tweets i call you a punk cloudy with a chance of go fuck yourself I decided not to give that one an introduction. I just wanted to say it as it was. I'm, I'm glad you didn't just fucking blast off, man. I like, so you think Sheik was watching a movie over the, over the weekend? Is that what's uh, going he, on? He just tweeted this like an hour ago or two hours ago. So right now, as we're recording right now, it's about seven Pacific on Wednesday, the 27th. The Iron Sheik is right now watching Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> Bet money. It's a movie I've actually heard good things about. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good. Might have to check it out. They did a sequel to it, so it must have made some money. Did they do one or two sequels? 
I know they've done one. Maybe there's a second one in the works. I don't know. I always get that mixed up with How I Met Your Dragon. They're both really long titles. <laughs> what? So. How I Met Your Dragon? Yeah. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. How I Train Your Dragon. How, I... <laughs> how, how to Train Your Dragon. How I Met Your Dragon would be a much better. <laughs> no, I would. I want How I Trained Your Mother. <laughs> Yuck. Oh my gosh. Iron Sheik is watching animated children's movies this week at Sheik Tweets. I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. We have, first of all, audibletrial.com slash Soko. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days in your first book for free. Whoop. I, uh, I do have a book I'll recommend. I, uh, I recently picked up, so I, I got a paper copy of this, but I, I would also recommend it on audio version as well if you've got Audible, uh, On Writing by Stephen King. It's kind of a memoir of his and also a sort of a, uh, I don't know, it's not really a how to write type of book, uh, but it gives you like little lessons and things. So I think more appropriately, he, he tells you stories that help you sort of apply them yourselves to your writing. So it's a really interesting take on a how to write book slash autobiography. It's pretty interesting. I was reading some of it in airports the other day and, uh, I just love King, man. I I would read anything that guy writes. And, uh, I think we're going to, we may or may not talk about some Stephen King today, but, uh, uh, he tends to pop up a lot of his movies. I think he's got three, I think he's got three adaptations coming out this year. So, Dude knows how to write. Anyway, the uh, the book is On Writing by Stephen King. Uh, you can get it on Audible for free. Free! There you go. Uh, Mathis Designs on Etsy. It's etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Paid. <laughs> and uh, speaking of the desert, this guy was, this guy was there with us. Uh, we got to see a lot of Mike's Wood from etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wood. Ugh. There it is. That's a, that's a noise. We 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 stayed it in the same hotel room for five days, so I heard that noise once or twice. It's true. Um, over the course of the trip, so it was very entertaining. Say uh, the name, saw the wood. Say the name. <laughs> say the name, see the wood. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Shout out, shout out to Mike V. He's 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 working that wood, no doubt, no doubt. He sure uh, did. In Vegas. Let's see. He hey. Uh, I don't want to say anything unless his because uh, I don't know if his wife listens to the show, but. Uh, Whew. That's all I'll say. <laughs> you did sleep in the same bed. Yeah, we did. And uh, no comment. Let's move into the show. Uh, we're going to start this week with, uh, I think, a very trippy Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. So we talked last week about... Porn. What did we talk about last week? Why are we doing time travel? <laughs> You're the one who brought it, this one up. <laughs> I had I I I pre-gamed and I shouldn't have. Um Hot Tub Time Machine f- was featured in our making the quota section last week uh because uh Clark Duke his mom was getting stuffed by a taxidermist. So yep. uh, we thought Hot Tub Time Machine is probably one of the best time travel movies ever made, but we thought we could probably think of a couple other great ones too. So these are going to be our top five favorite time travel movies. Um, oh, we can open it up to TV and games, but I think they all come from movies. Mine all come from movies. Now I have a couple TVs. All right. So that's got TV. So uh, we're going to get some time travel wackiness. And for, for clarification, 
uh, we had talked before we made our lists and uh, repeated day storylines count as time travel. So uh, for those who are trying to predict our lists, uh, just know that going in. So here are our top five favorite time travel stories. Number five. Uh, number five is a TV show, so fuck you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what I get for making an assumption. <laughs> uh, this is one that I've talked about quite a bit over the uh, couple of years that we've doing the show, been doing the show. Um, I've heard a couple TV corners from it. From it. Uh, it's a show that's still on. We'll be coming back soon, actually. It's Legends of Tomorrow. I thought uh, you might have it on there. That show is entirely about time travel. <laughs> so I think that that fits very, uh, very properly. I do like that they, I think the th- my favorite part of the show is that they take themselves just serious enough where they can go back to these different eras and have fun with it, but also, also make it fit within the world of like superheroes and comic books and, you know, DC universe and all that stuff. They've gone all over the time now you know they've gone over to, to fucking ancient egypt they've gone to the 90s they've gone anywhere in between so it's uh it's pretty cool to to see what they what they've done and and smartly write and and really funny and, and write in a funny way too so um plus i love the group of characters together so legends of tomorrow is my five yeah that's a i've seen just a little bit of that show and it is very entertaining and they get creative with where they go in mm-hmm. time so that's kind of fun yep very, uh, very like serial, you know, each week a different place and time kind of thing. Very fun. Yep. My number five is is one I suspect we will be kicking down the road. Uh, I have Edge of Tomorrow at number five. Yeah, that's a kick. That's a that's kick a down kick. the okay. That's kick the can. Gonna, we'll come back to that one in a second. Let's go to your number four. Number four. Uh, number four is is what brought us here. A uh, hot tub time machine. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, they. There's not a, I mean, there is the time travel element in it, but they don't really have a ton of time travel laws. You know, this one isn't very, uh, a lot of these have like laws or different rules they've set up. And this one kind of is just like, they go back in time with a hot tub and they Mm -hmm. have to make something happen that, you know, happened before. It's just so fun. Like there's so many fun running gags that use the time travel, the arm thing, notably with the the guy Mm -hmm. getting his car, his arm cut off is really funny. Done by the way, way better in that movie than Nick Fury's eye was done in Captain Marvel. Just <laughs> right. Yeah. Again, this is about these this group of characters being together. These four friends. Uh, they have such good chemistry together. They're very very funny. Um, you believe pretty much right off the bat that these guys, you know, have been friends for years and and know each other in and out and all that stuff. And and then Gross. going ba- <laughs> and then going back to the eighties uh, and, and seeing all the fun eighties. This movie is kind of ahead of its time in terms of just like going back to the eighties, you know, cause like 80s nostalgia 80s. before it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, basically, but it was still cool in that movie. It was funny and they did, they did a really good job with it and, and making you feel like you're back in the eighties and all that stuff too. And giving you that nostalgia. So it was cool. Um, hot so time machine number four. I love that movie. I'm glad you had it on your list. I didn't, you have a, your list is a lot more fun than mine. <laughs> I have a dark ass list. Yeah. I have so, a fun uh, list. I still have yeah. more fun coming. My uh, my number four movie, I think, is fun, uh, but not the kind of fun that you're talking about. Uh, this is Terminator 2, which uh, is probably a top five sci-fi movie of all time. Uh, it's It's got effects that hold up But only a number four today. time travel movie. <laughs> well, these are all, these are all sci-fi in, in one way or another. And I'm talking just in general. Like, if you asked a thousand movie critics or just movie fans... What are top? What are the top five sci-fi movies? You'd have like this, pick one of the Star Wars, like Alien, and a couple others. 
Power Rangers. Um, Power Rangers. Yeah, of course. Uh, Term- <laughs> Terminator 2. <laughs> Wait, are you talking Power Rangers 2017? Yeah. Nice. Is it 2017 or 2016? I think it was 17. Um, Terminator 2 has, strangely enough, for a movie that came out in the early 90s, excellent special effects as it relates to the uh, T-1000 character, who was awesome. And what sticks with me about this movie is how much that guy scares the shit out of me. He's he's a cop most of the time, but he's also this fucking goopy... He's always gooping and changes his, changing his arms into spikes is, and shit. Is goop the secret word? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, goop is not the secret word. <laughs> well, you said goop and gooping, so I didn't know maybe you were trying to amplify. No, no. That would have been... I, I tell you what, thank you for giving me that much credit. Um, but... Uh, no, goop is not not the secret word. Um, I'm surprised. Terminator Two is a perfect action movie. Uh, it this one doesn't use time travel as much as the other Terminator movies, but that's probably for the best. Um, and it's got the classic Arnie giving the thumbs up to the kid. Like it, I don't need to talk about Terminator Two that much. It's fucking awesome, and it's a time travel movie, so it's on my list. I wish it would have been goop. Um. <laughs> Number three. Number three is also a television show. So again, fuck you. Uh, this one is uh, a recent one, Russian Doll. Um, Ooh, I do like Russian Doll, man. Yeah, and so I, I don't want to say too much because, you know, it does... I think we know the basic thing is that the days repeat over and over again. So I don't want to, like, reveal too much about that because it is still a new, newer show, only been out for a couple months. So for people who haven't had a chance to check it out yet, definitely go ahead and check it out. But they do some really cool elements of time travel and days repeating and things like that. So um, I don't know. This is one that has stuck with me. It's one that I... Over the last couple of months, even since viewing it, is one that I've can think I, I think back on fondly. I really like, really like Natasha Lyonne. I like the world that they set up there. Um, I like they have some interesting um, <clears throat> interesting meanings through some of like the the episodes and the endings and the characters and things like that too that we've kind of talked about off off the podcast before. And uh, it's just a really well done show. Music is great, shot well, uh, interesting story, great characters. So definitely check that one out if you haven't had a chance. I will uh, piggyback and recommend Russian Doll as well. So uh, people should check that out. My number three is another movie. Uh, I'm sticking with my darkness theme. Uh, This is Donnie Darko. Ooh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, Donnie Darko is so great. Uh, I've seen it a handful of times, and it's got a mood and and a vibe about it. That is deeply unsettling, <laughs> but but like in the best way, and it very um, what I like about it is it handles the question of determinism, and you know if you knew the future would you change it? It mm-hmm. handles that question without saying that it's doing that right. It it doesn't. Sure. Donnie Darko never gives you anything straight down the pipe. It's all interpretation it's a movie you have to watch a couple of times and you have to read some articles about to really understand and if you do that it's a super rewarding and fun experience to do and jake gyllenhaal is incredible in this there's uh quite a few other actors uh patrick swayze is in an interesting role in this maggie gyllenhaal appears as as uh jake gyllenhaal's sister um and there's a ton of like really fun cool like like funny lines and things uh if you remember um I'm seriously questioning your your commitment to sparkle motion. Uh, that that's in Donnie Darko, and 
it's it's a great movie that has a time travel element that is really interesting and really well thought out and well done. But is, even even outside of this uh, genre, it's just a great fucking movie. Isn't there a bigger star in that? Like Stu or uh, Stu Stone's in it, but um, Stu Stone, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen. That's who it was. I that's what I thought. Yep. So yeah, Stu Stone, Facebook friends. <laughs> Yeah, Seth is Facebook friends with Sue Stone. So uh, Donnie Darko is one that I that I love. And it doesn't get, I don't know, the time travel in it is, it's subtle. You know, it's it's, uh, it's not so in your face with like a hot tub time machine, for example. <laughs> not that that's not a good movie, but it's, uh, it's you have to, you have to put a lot of things into Donnie Darko to really get it. And for better or worse, um, I think that's really fun. And so Donnie Darko is number three for me. Number two. Uh, my number two is the can that was kicked from earlier, uh, mm-hmm. Edge of Tomorrow. Living at the Edge of Tomorrow. Da, 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 uh, da, da, da. <laughs> uh, um, sorry for the impromptu fucking rock sesh. But uh, Edge of Tomorrow, yeah, fucking, I'm surprised it wasn't higher on your list with uh, being Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. I mean, that's like, that's a fucking two for combo you'd take any day. <laughs> Two horns for both of those actors. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I didn't have it higher. I mean, I, I like it. Just, I mean, these are this is all very. My five to one are very close to each other. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of space in here. Um, but and I knew that you would have it too. But I, I didn't want to not have it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's such and it was such a surprise that yeah, it was. like no one was expecting much out of it. But it it is great. And I've gone have, back and watched it a couple of times. It is so fun. I remember watching the trailer and we were both like, that kind of looks like a fart box. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. It, it, we were like, you know, it, it's Tom Cruise, so we'll check it out. But we were like, we had, our expectations were probably the lowest of low. And walking out, it was like, that was really fucking good. And that was so, when Tom Cruise and I were still dating. We, we hadn't completely fallen in love yet, but that, <laughs> that went a long way. <laughs> sure did. And uh, yeah, Emily Blunt, um, she, she's a fine actress. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so, no, it, it's just, it, it, they use t- time travel in a really cool way. I love that the premise of the restarting day type stuff. That's really cool. They always do that typical thing of like, eventually it, like happy death day is one. I should have fucking had that on my list. I forgot about that movie. I'm um, amazed. You didn't, I'm amazed. I didn't, I thought you'd go straight there when I asked you if we could count repeating days. I, I forgot about happy death day. That would probably would have been, that's, that's more of an honorable mention. I guess I love that movie too, but like the repeating day stuff where they do that, where they get to the point where they're like, Okay, so this is how I explain it to them, where they they know right away that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, and they get that point in Edge of Tomorrow. But um, all that is super smart. The way that they 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 ended the movie, uh, they ended it in a really cool way. Apparently, they're doing a sequel now too, so that that'll be fun. But oh fuck! <laughs> so I, I'm very excited for that. But I, I I do love that movie. I'll have to check it out again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So Edge of Tomorrow is great because the action in it is awesome. It's also super funny. This is as funny as Tom Cruise has been in a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's what's interesting about this too is he starts the movie as sort of a fish out of water. He's not an action hero to start this movie. Mm-hmm. The only reason he ever becomes an action hero is because he knows what everyone's going to do. But in the beginning, he's fumbling around. He's scared. He doesn't know what to do in the battlefield. He doesn't know how to shoot a gun, you know, mm-hmm. and he's totally bumbling around. And, the, and Emily Blunt is the fucking action stud, mm-hmm. and she's amazing in this. And that, that sort of changes over the course of the movie, but uh, it's got a perfectly disposable alien villain, so you don't mind that he's just ripping them apart throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get hilarious comedy. You know, every every one of these repeat days has 
a quick cut of them dying a bunch of times and and this one is super funny um but it's just a it's a great this would be on my well i don't know if this would be on my mamba number five for action movies but it would make a a longer list of my favorite action movies that i've seen in a long time because it is creative enough you have like the mech suits and things like that and there's a whole idea around how they do the time travel that's really interesting it's a way smarter movie than you think uh-huh. and the action is top notch it's a fucking I, the more i'm talking about it the more i'm falling in love with this movie i might go fucking watch it tonight i don't know but it's, it's awesome <laughs> it's really good my uh my number two is one that i know you haven't seen um and i, I talked about donnie darko and about having to kind of think about it a lot and then go read some articles and shit uh, to really get it you absolutely need a textbook to understand my number two. It's a movie called Primer. Do you, have you heard of it? Yeah, you were watching it. Uh, when, this is when you still lived, we still lived at the, the old place. And uh, yeah. I walked downstairs a couple of times and you were watching it. Man, is it a trip. So the thing about, about Primer is it is very, very technical. So they, they give you science shit in plain science language and they never dumb it down and they never really explain what's going on. So you watch the whole movie and you get it. Like you don't need to know all the, all the tricks and the rules and the science and things to understand why the movie is good and entertaining, but you get to the end and there's a payoff and you've enjoyed the movie and then you go read about it. And I've seen countless like flow charts and articles and like encyclopedia entries and shit about why this movie works. It is one of the most meticulously thought out movies I've ever seen in my life. And for, I'm not going to recommend primer to everyone. Like you need to be sat down, ready to think hard. Like you can't drink or smoke anything when you're watching. You need to soberly sit down and intensely focus on this movie. It's not one you can text during. Um, so it's a different kind of experience than some of the other shit on our list, but it does time travel as good as anything I've ever seen. It's got two characters that are like, they're like doctor, like not medical doctors, but like PhDs. And they figure out time travel, they figure out the rules, and then they do all of the shit that you would have, like that every other move, like Groundhog's Day, right? Um, Groundhog's Day repeats the days. So what you would think to do in Groundhog's Day is figure out what stocks made a bunch of money that day and put money in them in the morning and then so you can have it later. Uh, They do stuff like that, right? So they figure out how to use time travel to their advantage in a way that a person might actually do. And they're really smart about it. They cover all their bases and everything. And uh, when the movie starts to get interesting, it's for a cool reason. And... uh, it's it's it knows its rules and it follows them and it's a cool it's it's like taking a course in movie time travel it's super interesting and fun uh and it's not for everybody like i said it, it's not it's not for eating popcorn during but it is super super uh interesting sounds like that's your number one after how hard you just blew it there <laughs> well you haven't you, you'll find out my number one in a second and uh you might hear even more <laughs> <laughs> Number one. My number one is, so this one isn't a full time travel movie, but the time traveling element's very big in it. And it's a movie that I, I've i actually heard a lot more critical praise of over, the, over even the last like three, four years. But it's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban with a time turner. What? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. never would have thought about that as a time travel movie, but fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I love that. I love the whole time turner stuff in that movie. Um, it's one that as a kid reading the book and seeing it, maybe not seeing the movie initially, but reading the book for sure when I read it, I was a little kind of confused by it. It just like, especially how young I read it, it was just like, like I got it, but I was just like, 
time travel maybe was too hard of a concept at that point to completely get. But repeat viewings of that movie and, and everything like that, it was like it was really really well done, um, and it was really impactful with with a lot of the stuff. That was one of the, like that was the first movie um, and book too where they they really hit on some heavy stuff, and that that movie was they really drove that home that those the moments with the time turner and and, and all that stuff really drove that home um Alf- alfonso coron directed that movie too so it actually had yeah. like <laughs> like some real fucking firepower behind it um that mo- yeah just that that movie and book in in general they were all really really well done and uh i i i think back fond like that's a that's a harry potter movie that has rose up for me too over the last over the last few years thinking back on those movies um, and how much I enjoyed them. The, at least movie-wise, that that might be my number one movie of Harry Potter movies. Book, not not quite there for me. I enjoyed some of the other books a little bit more. But movie-wise, I think that might be my favorite Harry Potter movie. Yeah, I can totally get that. And, it, you know, it's funny. You and I have gone back and forth about Harry Potter a lot. Mm-hmm. And my memories of Harry Potter, reading them when I was like 10 years old, was that I really loved the first two. And then the third started to get more uh, grown up and more thoughtful and things. And mm-hmm. then the fourth one, the fourth book is my favorite. And then the fifth book completely leaves like the formulaic nature of the school and goes off into totally teenage shit. And I was not there for it. So I quit after the, in the middle of the fifth book, I quit. And so the third, as I recall it today, is my least favorite book. Because it's got that extra complex thing with the time, but that's a minor thing, really. And then uh, Sirius Black and all of this, and it's starting to get more real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a kid, I fell off because of that. But today, I think you're right. I think I would appreciate it even more because it's a smarter... It's starting... She's starting to... Rowling is starting to grow up with the books here. And the movie is absolute. I think it, I think it's no question. I think it's the best made movie mm-hmm. um, of all of them. And... Um, I think it had the benefit of not having, it didn't have so much extra shit that they needed to cut, right? From five on, they had to cut a lot of shit to get movies made. Um, But three was able to get almost everything in and still be a good movie. And Quaron probably had a lot to do with that. So um, I think it's, I think it's easy to say that it's the best Harry Potter movie, but um, the time travel element in that is something that I don't think often about, but they do handle it really well. And when you, when you start to unravel it in your head and you're like, that's where the rock came from. And that's what, that's what happened in that scene earlier yeah. in the movie. You're like, Oh crap. And these time travel movies are so about the payoffs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that is one that I would never have thought of, but I'm glad that you picked. Yeah. I I've heard it on, I, there's one list that I remember hearing that on and I was like, you know what? That makes sense. And this is a while back. And so when you brought up the time travel thing, that's the first thing that came to my head, but yeah, like the, the stuff with the Patronus and, and like all the interactions, like I remember reading the book. I, that's one thing I do remember is reading the book and, and it might even been on a reread or something, but like to the point you get, it was probably the first time actually, the point where you get like the day is over that they screwed up essentially, you know, like by, by not mm-hmm. having the time time turner, there's still chunks of the book left. And then you read through that again with the time turner and you're like, oh shit, like that was really cool. Same thing with the movie, you know, like you get to that point in the movie and it's like, oh shit, time to time for the time turner. And that's like, it feels like a, a complete, that, that's, I think that's the point right where right there where the movie the the franchise like feels like it's starting to grow up is because mm-hmm. they have to make all these decisions with the with the time turner and they're cert- they they definitely set up rules with the time turner and like getting it back at a certain time you know getting back to your to where you were at a certain time and all that stuff and not letting other people see you and all that like it yeah super well done I enjoyed it a lot 
Yeah, it's man, that one's fun. And the, I think one of the reasons it works is they don't tell you about the time turner until the end. Mm-hmm. And so all this shit is happening that you don't know why, you know, this mysterious other character is there. And then uh-huh. you get to find out that it's them. And yep. it shows you all of this stuff that, man, that is a fun. I'm so, I'm actually really stoked that you picked that one because it's a fun <laughs> one to think about. My number one is a movie that I watched uh, just this week. Uh, I did a rewatch of. Uh, it was my favorite movie of the year it came out, and it was robbed of Best Picture. Uh, <laughs> the lead actress was robbed of Best Actress, and I don't I don't think this is so crazy. I know you're thinking he's going to fucking say Mission Impossible, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're going to agree with me when I tell you what the title is. The movie is Arrival, and when you go back and you think about that year, um, and I did this, it was easily the best movie of that year. Um, I can't remember now what one best picture, but Arrival was better. Amy Adams absolutely was fucking robbed um, of her uh, lead actress win. Uh, and Jeremy Renner is excellent in this. The time travel, so to speak, is an interesting thing in this movie because it's not like someone consciously decides I'm going back to the year 1985. Um, it's more... Uh, Amy Adams' perception of time that changes as she learns what the heptopod language can do. And the way... Now, I remember this... I remember you and I went to this together, Seth. And mm-hmm. I remember walking out of that movie and just being like, head, hands on the side of my head, like, oh my God, that was fucking sweet. And the way they reveal everything to you in this movie is very fun. And I can't talk too much about it because I want people to go see it. Um, but basically, the time travel element is that the the aliens that Amy Adams is trying to communicate with perceive time in a different way. And so that factors into the movie as a whole. And it introduces some really cool plot twists and some really good um, sort of story devices. And they do a really great job, even even going back on another watch uh, and and being aware of of the final reveals of this movie. They they do an excellent job throughout this movie of keeping you just in the dark enough and making you go, what the fuck is going on without telling it to you? And nobody I know saw this 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 reveal coming at the end. And um, Arrival is perfectly shot. Uh, it is perfectly acted. It's perfectly directed. And the sound is perfect. Arrival is as close <laughs> to a perfect movie as I can think of right now. And if I was going to make a top five movies of all time list recency bias would probably put Arrival at the top because I just watched it. But it would easily make my top 10 movies of all time. And half of those are Mission Impossible. (laughs) Mission Impossible, some of the Star Wars, and Arrival are are my top movies. Um, But there's not a hole to poke in Arrival. Fucking try. Not Uh, you right now. Don't try, but... (laughs) Is Heptapod the secret word? (laughs) No, Heptapod is not the secret word. That would have been cheating. Yeah. No, I agree. Arrival is very good. <laughs> That's all you need to say, Seth. Um, I, I do, you thought the, I loved Primer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, to be fair, though, I think you spent more time on Primer than you did on Arrival, but just not as passionate with your word choices, I guess. I, I did, Part of the reason I was laughing, though, is that you <laughs> you always do this with with movies or whatever. Most movies, it's pretty much movies, where you're just like, it, it's the best thing. You just watch it. It's the best thing. It's no, perfect okay. all around. So, so you're right. But, <laughs> but I've always thought this about Arrival. Like, you and I have, I, I don't know how often, but you and I have at least talked about Arrival a couple times since we saw it 
two or three years ago. Yeah. And it's 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 stayed high. Like I left that movie thinking it was great, but it stayed high three years later. And that that isn't always the case. So take me seriously <laughs> when I tell you Arrival is a perfect movie. Maybe not all the time. Take me seriously, but um, but sometimes, yeah, yeah. You're um, right. I'm prone to recency bias. You're not wrong. So just just uh, just to go over the movies uh, that came out that were nominated for Oscar when when Arrival was Fences, Manchester by the Sea, Hacksaw Ridge, Hidden Figures, Hell or High Water, Lion, Arrival, La La Land, and The Winter Moonlight. Yeah, Arrival is better than all those movies. Okay. And I love uh, like five of those movies. Like Fences is great. Not better than Arrival. Um, I didn't see Manchester by the Sea, but I doubt it. Um, <laughs> Amy Adams I love Lion. Even, Amy Adams wasn't even nominated for Best Actress. Oh my God. It was the biggest snub of all fucking time. Um, <laughs> they, won, they won one award. They won. And you know it was. I remember. I fucking remember, Seth. You and I talked about that she was robbed. Did we not? I don't know. Yeah, we fucking did, Seth. <laughs> and I love Lion. Your biggest rob of all time. It is. It is. It is. And and uh, I love Lion. That was great. I love Fences. I love La La Land. I, I didn't actually see Moonlight, which feels very, feels almost uh, blasphemous to say, but I still have not seen Moonlight. So I don't know. But it should have been a rival. I don't know. Did Denis Villeneuve win for directing? Because he should have. No, he did not. It was Damien Chazelle. Ah, fuck. And I like him a lot, too. But no. Arrival should have won everything. 15 awards. It should have set the record. Um. (laughs) It should have won all the Razzies, too. It should have won all the awards. (laughs) It wouldn't have won a single Razzie. Not a single Razzie. No. All jokes aside, Arrival is fucking great. And if you haven't seen Arrival watch it and if you're like cody it's not available on netflix call me i will i will buy you a rival <laughs> if you if you want to watch a rival i will buy it for you oh man this might be Just, his favorite movie of all time i've never heard it's, him offer to buy it's it's high up there dude i'm telling you and i know i say this shit all the time but arrival is fucking amazing so do you put star wars above arrival in terms of enjoyment it's a different question right okay. um I love Star Wars. I don't think it's a better movie. Okay, because I was gonna, I was gonna say, if you're gonna really start offering people, you know, you're gonna buy movies to see that they haven't that you really enjoy, um, they should really take you up on the offer for Star Wars. That's a pretty pricey. Uh, yeah, box they can set. get what eight movies, depending on which ones you count. If you get Solo and Rogue One, what's that? Ten. Yeah, yeah. So, Nine. No, I'm, I'm not gonna buy the Star Wars saga uh, for anybody. Because I think Arrival is technically awesome and also entertaining. And you don't get that all the time. A lot of these Oscar movies are technically great, but they're fucking boring. Or mm-hmm. they make you depressed or whatever. Arrival is just great. And the fun thing about Arrival, I wish we could get into spoilers, because Arrival raises some awesome questions that I love talking to people about. And it's it's just super interesting. And it's based on a short story that's like very short. So it's it's interesting that it's... They made such a great movie out of it. Arrivals don't man. Do you need me to keep? <laughs> do, have I have I not hammered that home yet? <laughs> I, th- I think I think the the listeners understand. Do you think and, the listeners uh, more than likely they understood like five minutes ago and probably just shut off the podcast? So yeah, this is uh, bad. There, this is for the next hour, folks. We're just talking about arrival. <laughs> arrival talk. Arrival talk with Co. Tune in next week. Uh, it's going to be an offshoot podcast from the Soko Show. 
Arrival Talk is there's also a Arrival Talk with So where I, I talk about all of the boners I've had over the last week. So, <laughs> oh no. Uh, my Arrival podcast, by the way, is going to go one minute at a time. And each week we'll talk about one minute of Arrival and how perfect it is. Mm. And uh, after about two years, we'll, we'll have talked to the whole movie. You're going to have to find a, a new so host if that's going to be the case. Cause I I'll find of... a so host. I'll find a so host that appreciates Arrival. The funny <laughs> thing is, I know you like Arrival. Yeah, I do. But, I own it. But yeah, but but not nearly as much as Co. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you have you have a, a full on hard on for that movie, and I have uh, one of those circly things that the aliens draw. Much more calmly, because I know you're not going to respond to me screaming it at you. Go back and watch Arrival, dude. I'm telling you. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not saying you're going to like it better, but I'm saying it's if you enjoyed it before, you'll still enjoy it. It's a great movie. Um, and I know you know that. I know you don't rewatch stuff often, and you probably won't do this. But uh, Arrival is is fantastic. <laughs> so I, so I'm just wasting my breath right now. But uh. <laughs> well, now now if you don't go watch it and enjoy it again, it's your fault. If I didn't if I didn't tell you about it, it would be mine. So I'm glad you can get that that conscious off you. You can clear your conscious a little bit that the guilt you're feeling towards Arrival that you're not offering it to people as much. Well, with great power, Seth, it, it's like I have the ability to tell you about it. And if I don't, then it's my fault when you don't enjoy it. So, yeah, I, it is my responsibility. Everybody go watch Arrival. <laughs> Please don't shut up about it. <laughs> I'll stop now, but I do want to point out that we spent a lot of time on Arrival. But I do think that it deserved the time we spent on it. A movie that a movie that didn't deserve the time we spent on it was Captain Marvel. Uh, but, uh, but Arrival did. Arrival deserves number one of every list. I'm going to try to put it in all lists now. All that said, you got any, you got any honorable mentions? Arrival. (laughs) Oh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Happy Death Day is one. So here's a few. Um, Project Almanac. Did you watch that with me? Yeah, we watched that. That's a fun, that's a smarter movie than you thought. Um, The acting is bad, but it's it's got a good plot. (laughs) Um, Looper is a fun one. Ooh, fuck, I forgot about Looper. Yeah, JGL and Bruce Willis, that's a great, like, I love that movie. And it is some cool stuff with time that is Mm -hmm. interesting. I I probably would have put that at five, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, Looper is great. Um, You talked about Happy Death Day. Jared is going to stop associating with us if we don't mention Back to the Future, so. Oh, yeah. Back to the Future is an honorable mention. I don't uh, have. You it talked as well. about Legends of Tomorrow's. There's, there's, um, there's a movie called When We First Met. Do you remember this? Uh, Adam Devine. Oh. Yeah. You, did you watch it and not like no, it, or you just didn't no. want to watch it? I just didn't want to watch it because I don't like that guy. Okay. Well, I, I did, and I enjoyed him in his it. Face. <laughs> he's got a punchable face, no doubt. Uh, and he's not great in this, but the, the, I think the movie is very charming and fun, and it makes you think, right? So it applies the redo a a day a bunch of times principle to love which is something that doesn't often get done um so i thought that one was good uh i will give a brief mention to nickelodeon's clock stoppers hell yeah as a kid that's the only thing i wanted was a a clock stopper i still want it (laughs) well i want it now for different reasons back back then i wanted it so i could catch more footballs Uh, I'm not gonna. I wouldn't. I'm not gonna tell you what I would do with it now. Um, 
Uh, here's one. Here's one that you're gonna go, oh damn, about Austin Powers Two: The Spy Who Shagged Me. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that is yeah. a good one. Yeah. And even in three, they do it in three too. They go back to 1970. Do they Gold really? Member. Wait, yeah. Is that no. the one I'm thinking of? Do they do it in both movies or they just do the it one? Both. They do it in both. Oh, okay. Uh, but the three is where they go back to the 70s. Uh, he, <laughs> that's where they go back to get Gold Member, and then uh, he takes his car and he's. You know, he goes to that club, Club 69 or whatever it is, <laughs> and then his dad's there. And uh, I'm just going to go through the entire plot of uh, Austin Powers, if, if you don't mind. You All know right, what? Go ahead. Austin I'll Powers and Goldmember. Hey, you, can, you can have the same amount of time that I gave to Arrival to Austin Powers. Go. Aust- Austin Powers and Goldmember is my arrival, okay? It was robbed of Best Picture <laughs> that year. It was- <laughs> Mike, Mike Myers should have been Best Actor. <laughs> I'm gonna Beyonce title... Knowles should have been best actress. <laughs> I'm gonna title the show Austin Powers and Gold Member is my arrival. <laughs> it was my sexual arrival. <laughs> oh no. Don't tell us that you came to that movie. Jesus. <laughs> hey, Beyonce was sexy in that one. Well yeah. <laughs> She's sexy all the time. <laughs> wow. I knew this was gonna be fun. I didn't know it was gonna be this fun. Uh, Mambo number five. Those are our top time travel movies. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. Uh, if you, if we think we missed anything, uh, or you disagree, by the way, don't tell me that you disagree about Arrival. I will wreck you. But anything else on the list is fair game. Yeah. Don't, uh, if don't you say anything about Austin Powers three. I'll wreck yeah. you. Yeah, Seth was going to fucking fight you about Goldmember. Uh, anything else on our list that you disagreed with, let us know on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael, at Seth O'Watt, or at Soko Show Pod. Uh, let us know what you thought of our list or what we may have left off. Let's turn now to the realm of TV. No news this week. We're going to go straight into the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. I forgot we had a new sounder. <laughs> I was waiting for the fucking woo. I was like, oh, crap. I, t- I hit the wrong one. <laughs> uh, TV Corner this week is a show I think you've briefly mentioned in the past. Uh, it's yeah. one I'm interested in checking out. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah, it's uh, Austin Powers and Goldmember. Um, it's the third. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're in TV Corner. Um, yeah, Miracle Workers on TBS. They only show this and basketball. So I, I watched this between basketball. So yeah, it's it's a half hour comedy. There's only seven episodes for the entire run, which is interesting. But half hour comedy with Steve Buscemi. He plays God, different version of God than what you've ever seen. He's kind of like a fuck up essentially. He he's like he's Steve Buscemi with long grayish hair. Um, he's very dumb. T- hey, sorry. So are you telling me Steve Buscemi is a fuck up version of God? <laughs> so you're telling me he's the god that let a rival not win best picture <laughs> it's true and austin powers <laughs> not win best picture i mean come on um but so he uh you know he's he he, he played you know steve buscemi's kind of played this type of character before very dumb um very just kind of kind of like carefree and lazy and all that stuff and um he what you end up finding out like there's so there's other planets and stuff that are that that have existed other universes and Steve Buscemi is like a child of the parents of it of the universe and he's just he's just kind of given this to go away and he creates earth as like an imperfect type of place 
you know, like he gives the, like they joke about him giving all them free will and stuff, like all the people on Earth free will. Like it's not something the other planets did. Like just very uneven and, and all that stuff, which kind of explains why, you know, the Earth is the way it is sometimes. But so Steve Buscemi plays God. Daniel Radcliffe plays. Um, he works in the Department of Prayers where he answers prayers, but because he's by himself um, and you know, you, there's certain rules that he can't do. He answers very easy prayers, like help me find my keys. So <laughs> he'll like, you know, th- there'll be like a, a little computer screen where he's watching some guy. Um, you know, he's like, I can't find my keys and they'll be hidden in the snow. So Steve, Daniel Radcliffe's character will melt individual flakes of snow one by one until the keys are, <laughs> you know, like, like they appear. And so he'll get very excited. He'll do like a little dance in his chair and eat a packet of ketchup. Like that's his thing. Like, it's very weird like that. <laughs> he'll like do a dance and then like, he'll eat a packet of ketchup. That'll be his celebratory. He has like a whole drawer of ketchup in his, in his office and he eats packets of ketchup. It's very weird. And then, so, and then there's this other character who I don't really know the actress, but she is new in the Department of Prayers and is much more ambitious. She wants to solve, like, you know, world hunger and shit like that, and it's really not feasible, so, like, they kind of butt heads. But what what ends up happening is that God is tired of people on Earth, people aren't receptive to him anymore, people aren't talking, you know, people aren't praying to him anymore, which kind of is, is commenting on our times, where, you know, religion hasn't been as much of the forefront as, you know, it was, you know, 50 years ago or whatever, 50, 60, 70 years ago, whatever. And, you know, the, the world's kind of starting to crap out with like global warming and all this stuff. So he just says, screw it. I'm going to blow up the, blow up the planet. Well, Danny Radcliffe and, and, uh, this new girl, Jared, Geraldine Viswanathan, Viswanathan. She was in Blockers. She played the John Cena's daughter in Blockers. Oh, and I bet you that's not how it's saying. Yeah. I don't know. Plays Eliza. She's, she's cute as fuck. Yeah, and she plays Eliza in the show as the character's name. She comes in as ambitious. God says, I'm going to end the Earth, but try. they want to save it. You know, they, they like the Earth and all that stuff. And, and so God says, if you can um, answer this impossible prayer, that'll save the Earth. And, you know, everyone gets to live and all this stuff. So the impossible prayer is they have to get these really two nerdy uh, people um, to fall in love and, and kiss once they kiss the world uh, the the world will be you know saved and so that's the entirety of the run is them trying to get these this couple together with a bunch of speed bumps along the way god is doing some hijinks cuz he's real stupid and and like he tries putting together um this this restaurant called lazy susans where you're in a lazy river and you you just you 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 fall you flow down the river and grab food with like a like a like a, a tong type thing that you just see and you grab it. It's like really like just like that's the type what? of humor that's in this show. It's it's really random and weird, but it also kind of has commentary on the earth, which is funny. There's a lot of random guest stars too. Like um, I don't know how you pronounce this guy's name. He, the the driver from Deadpool. Um, oh yeah, um. Dopinder. Do Darkender, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he's he he's uh, actually a big part of the show. He's one of those guys you'd recognize if you saw him, just because he's been in a bunch of stuff. But he plays kind of like an assistant to God, but he also is like he's clearly better than the job. So he's like an all star. He used to work in the prayer department and like rocked it there and has moved his way up and stuff. But he ends up helping out these guys and stuff too. And it's I don't know. It's it's a fun it's a fun dumb show with some nice commentary. I really actually like, like Daniel Radcliffe is, you know, we talked about Harry Potter earlier. It's, it's hard for people like that to get out of those roles. And he's done enough different stuff 
where I don't see him just as Harry Potter anymore. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, he, he, he does a good job of making himself different. He's, he's, you know, he's, cha- he's challenged himself. He's done horror. He's done, you know, plays. He's done comedy and he's a f- dead farting corpse at one time. <laughs> so he, uh, he's done different stuff and I respect him for doing it. He's really funny in the show. The whole cast is great together. I, uh, fucking Angela from the office is one of the people on the show randomly too. So it's like very random and they can get, they just got as many people as they could to do this show and have funny little parts. And, um, it's it, the comedy is kind of almost like a, almost like a, a family guy. They like cut away sometimes or like they, because it's heaven, they can just make stuff appear. So they, they make jokes about that, uh, about like, just like make jokes with stuff that appears and, and like the, all these different departments, like there's a department of penises, where like <laughs> they had they had to they had to affect some guy's penis and like <clears throat> so much dry humor like they at the end of of the episode sometimes like in the background or like even like as a as a end credits type scene they do uh like if in an episode they had to create a storm like a huge storm to divert one of the characters from doing something like the people on earth from doing something doing something they'll have a news report that comes up and the guy will be like 42 people died today in an ever growing <laughs> string of storms and all that stuff um just like a lot of really funny running gags and it's it's a very enjoyable show to watch a very quick uh show to watch with it being only a half hour uh good cast good writing i know like some of the lonely island people jorma jorma mccone or tacone or something like that mm-hmm. he is uh he was a, a, a co-creator of the show and producer and writer and stuff so just a lot of really funny talented people involved to make a show that really didn't it, it wasn't pushed that much but it you know, it should it should have got it should have got some more attention. I thought so. Um, I'm gonna give it like 4.3 packets of ketchup out of five. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, I don't even know where to start. This sounds super fun. Is Daniel it, Radcliffe? Is he? Does he have a British accent or is he doing American in this? It's British. It's not like you know. It's not heavy, under, understandable British, but it's British. It's yeah. it's Daniel Radcliffe. If you heard him, if you've heard him in anything, it's what he sounds like. Sure. I was curious to see, because uh, he did an American accent in the movie Horns, and it wasn't great, so I wasn't <laughs> sure um, I wasn't sure if he had gotten better at it, but uh, if he's not doing that, fine. No, I like this. This reminds me of The Good Place, kind of, right? Like, so it's taking religion and putting mm-hmm. it kind of on its head and and um, showing you kind of the inner workings of that stuff. This sounds like a blast, and at only seven episodes, uh, there's no way I don't watch this, especially if they're, th- are they 30 minutes apiece? Yep. Well, it'll oh, actually be 20. 20- it's 23 because of uh, commercials and all that stuff. Oh, thank you, TBS. I got something I can watch in an afternoon. I'm going to have to check this out for sure. 4.3 mm-hmm. ketchup packets out of five. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good score for Miracle Workers. Uh, make sure you go check it out. Is there anywhere uh, that folks can get this right now? Is it on Hulu or YouTube TV or what? How did you watch it? Yeah, YouTube TV. Um, you probably would have had to record it to have it. But there might be like the TBS up. TBS app might have it, something like that. It's not like uh, it might be on Hulu. I haven't really checked to be honest, but because there's only been a few episodes, and I think they might have aired like at least the first one back to back. There still might be like on demand, potentially available for it. So, well, there you go. Find a way to watch Miracle Workers. Seth gives it four point three out of five and a recommendation this week in the TV corner. Television down on the corner. Nobody puts baby. Let's keep it rolling. We're going to get into uh, back into the realm of movies this week in Making the Quota. What's your name? 
Fuck you! That's my name! My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Making the quota, Seth's gonna read a quote. I have to figure out what movie it's from and who said it. Very quick and simple explanation. This one's kind of long, so hopefully you get it first try. I am sick of these guys' rap songs. They say, girl, drop it like it's hot. Shake it. I want to make her a rap song that says, boy, brush your teeth. Give me your jacket. I'm fucking freezing. <laughs> oh. Hmm. That's not ringing any bell of mine. Uh... <laughs> I know this is in the trailer of the movie, and I know this is a movie we both saw. Hmm. Uh, give me the year of the movie. Do you know 2009. It? Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, 2009 movie. I'm assuming it's a female saying it. Um, I am sick of all these guys' rap songs. They say, girl, drop it like it's hot. Shake it. I want to make a rap song that says, boy, brush your teeth. Give me your jacket. I'm fucking freezing. That's an, is that like Scary Movie 4? It is not. Okay. For whatever reason, I can hear Brenda from Scary Movie saying that. Uh, it is Regina not. Regina Hall. Is it in, is that the right year? Yeah. Is that in Zack and Mary Make a Porno? It is not. It is a movie um, that actor is in. Elizabeth Banks is, is in? No. Is this, is it, oh. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seth Rogen's in that? In he, he's not saying the quote, but. Right. Uh, okay, so Seth Rogen 09. Is this, uh, is that uh, Pineapple Express? It is not. It's not 40-year-old version. It's not knocked up. It's not this is 40. It's not the Green Hornet, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, crap. God, it's definitely one of these fucking Apatow movies, though. Um, You're on the right track. Is it Funny People? It is. <laughs> okay, it's Funny People. Uh, is it Remember Leslie Mann? It? No. Then I, uh, well, if it's not Adam Sandler or Seth Rogen, I don't know who else is in that movie. Uh, it was Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza's in Funny People? She must have been, what, was she nine when that came out? <laughs> That line is in the trailer. She goes, "Okay, Boy. yeah." There she, she goes, "Give me your jacket <laughs> like that. Brush your <laughs> teeth. Give me your jacket." <laughs> oh my gosh! Funny people. That's a movie that you like more than I do, to be honest. Very true. Um, I uh, I went in expecting a lot more funny in it, uh, but it was a lot more deep and heartfelt. And you got more people. And, and dark. yeah, I wanted funny. I got people. <laughs> Which is, I think, a perfect illustration of, like, your and my taste in movies, uh, generally speaking. Not always, but uh, you don't, you, 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 you're okay with it going a little bit to the dark side, and I'm, I'm more, keep it on the, uh, the happy side. So, Funny People, not a movie. Maybe that's one I should, okay, let me ask you this. Do you think I should go back to Funny People? Is that a movie you think that I would like today? I have no idea, to be honest. I haven't you seen it in years. So. You've always talked about I- liking it a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it in years, so I, I honestly couldn't say if if it's if I were to rewatch it and and maybe I could give you a better assessment. But it's probably been six seven years since I've seen it. So yeah, maybe one uh, maybe one I'll think about seeing again. I know it did have the first uh, first appearance of Aziz Ansari, at least that we can remember. Randy with eight A's. So by the way, Aziz Ansari, we went and saw his stand up in Vegas and had a great time. I uh, thought it was really great. So if you have a chance to see Aziz Ansari on tour, Road to Nowhere is the name of the tour. You can see him, uh, I don't know, I'm sure in some cities. So go check that out. We we give it a high recommendation, right? 
Sure do. There you go. Uh, funny people and Aziz Ansari. Well, Aziz Ansari is a funny person. So just funny people this week in making the quota. <laughs> What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. All right. So let's keep it in the world of movies. And uh, no news, but we are going to get into a, a trailer that I'm really excited to hear you talk about here. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. So, Seth, I think uh, what the people don't know is that this is an upcoming adventure action film that probably is on par with some of the greatest of all time. It's got <laughs> one of... It's got one of America. Well, yeah, I guess you can call this hero American, probably created in America at least. Uh, one of the greatest heroes of our lifetime uh, that has one of the biggest followings, at least, finally, finally is getting a feature-length live-action film. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that are going to be really stoked for this one, and I think it's going to blow a lot of minds here. Uh, tell, tell us about the trailer that you watched here. <laughs> wow, I don't, I don't think that this... Uh, I think actually you need to give a better introduction. To, uh, oh, do you want me to give it another shot? Sure. Okay. So here, Seth, is a movie that I think we've spent a lot of time talking about Arrival today. But when I when I saw this trailer, I thought here's here's a movie that's got a chance. It's got a chance at being better than Arrival. And I don't, you know, I don't say that. Um, but this is a movie I, I've been following this character for many many years. I grew up with this character, and I've always wanted to see what they would do with their own live action movie and i know that it's going to be action-packed it's going to be funny i'm going to learn a couple things all right <laughs> there's going to be cartography and what more is cartography is that the there's word go- no Damn <laughs> no <it. laughs> that would have been great though that would have been awesome um this is a movie that that probably is going to win best picture and a whole bunch of other awards this is this is an arrival level movie that we're talking about and the anticipation could not be higher uh, at least from from yours truly. So uh, before I absolutely just lose it into my shorts, please, please, please tell us about the trailer that you watched. I don't know. I think you need to, to give it another introduction. I can't. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, it's uh, Dora the Explorer. They, there's a trailer released for that one. Um, <laughs> that's coming out. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people going right now like, ah, Cody, Cody, hit the fucking... Great joke, Seth. No, literally, it's Dora the Explorer. It really is Dora the Explorer. It's, uh... I really don't know what to think of this movie. It looks very weird. Um, so, I, I actually looks... have not seen the trailer. So, I'm I'm so just curious. It's... I, it's not... Like, I don't think they're ever gonna... I don't, I don't think the map is gonna talk or sing or anything. That's all I can say about that. Like, I think it's... Oh. It looks like they're trying to do, like, young girl Indiana Jones... That, that's pretty much it like that that's looks like what they're going for it looks like she's like she, she definitely looks too old to be wearing those clothes because she wears the same outfit as dora does she looks too old to be wearing those clothes she they kind of have her like this cartoonish character in a non-cartoonish world type thing so like a fish out of water um boots isn't talking i think swiper is going to be a person not a fox like i think they they're they're definitely trying to make this into like a kid's indiana jones thing like and not make it too cartoonish but it i think the only way this would have worked is if it would have been 
like a trippy fucking thing like the show like <laughs> yelling at the screen and stuff <laughs> they're they're swiper dude i used to no no jokes like i loved dora growing up i was totally into it and whenever she would be like oh watch out for for swiper i'd be like you better get the fuck out of here swiper <laughs> i was not i was not cool with swiper so uh i'm a little bummed that they're making him a guy it'd be cool if he was a fox but uh i mean high action like loud i don't know maybe dora finds a gun at some point uh I, i'm interested at least are you are you are you at least is your interest peaked by this trailer no <laughs> you, you should watch the trailer <laughs> you should watch the trailer before you say that because that's uh it's it's not interesting at all should it's... i watch the trailer right now <clears throat> sure do a live reaction okay here comes the dora the explorer uh 2019 trailer nickelodeon is putting this movie out i should have thought about that beforehand here we go <laughs> oh, i wonder it's what it's going to be rated um r so, so yeah this movie is not really for us but um <laughs> it looks super fun though like i would absolutely take my kid to that movie if i had a kid i hope i don't have a kid no look, it does look cool it i don't know it, i'm here for it i'm not gonna i'm not probably not gonna pay to go see it but uh, <laughs> i get it it's got a couple stars i'm here in for it. it but i'm not gonna go <laughs> No, I'm saying I support it being made, even though I'm not going to watch it. Like, uh, they've got some stars in it. They've clearly got a more more of a budget behind it than they do typically with Nickelodeon movies, which is great. Um, she seems charming. I think the whole her being uh, some sort of George of the Jungle type character in high school is going to be funny for the 10 minutes that they do it. They got her friends involved. I don't like that um, That Boots is, is not talking, but maybe he'll talk at some point in the movie. I don't know. But and then just seeing a what fifteen year old girl pull out pull out a knife and throw it at a mercenary is pretty tight. Like I don't know, I I get it, I I understand. It's not made for me, but but do your thing. I like it. Whatever. <laughs> that works for you. I don't really care to be honest. I don't really care. I just... I'm just like you guys. It's like when I walk by people on the beach playing spike ball, and I'm like. All right, guys, have fun. Like that—that's—that's that's my opinion of Dora the Explorer. Like, you guys go ahead. <laughs> like, I don't fucking. You know, you get crushed at playing spike ball. So, yeah, I'm not very get, good at spike ball. You'd probably get crushed in this movie with how emotional it looks like it's going to be. I might. I think I would have actually a lot of fun in it, but I don't. I'm not going to go to it. <laughs> like, I go to you movies should. by myself all the time, so I'm not going to go by myself to a movie meant for ten year olds. You should. Although there That'd might be, be single moms there, so maybe I will go. Uh, also, let's give a horn to Evil Longoria while we're at it. Uh, can't can't miss out on a chance to do that. Uh, Door the Explorer uh, has not yet been rated, as you heard, and also uh, we don't have a release date for either. So any day now, we're going to be getting Door the Explorer. I will say this: it looks better than the Kim Possible movie coming out, which looks like total butt. Uh, but Door the Explorer, I say I support it. Everybody goes to the Explorer. At least you can watch the Kim Possible movie from the comfort of your own home when it premieres. You don't have to go out to the theater and watch the Dora movie, like or yeah, you, like you have for for the Dora movie. That's true. That's true. But still, Dora's going to be way better. Uh, Dora the Explorer. We're going to link to it in the description box. I know you heard some of it, but you uh, you're going to want to watch it for yourselves, folks. I'm telling you, this might be this might be the the movie event of the year. I know everybody thinks Avengers is going to make a bunch of money. Just saying, watch out for Dora the Explorer. Just, just watch out for it. All right, so we can expect Dora later this year. Let's get into a couple of movies that have already come out. 
Uh, we saw a couple. We're going to let you know what we think this week in some movie reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. <laughs> That's a new review sounder. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. You like that? <laughs> Anyway, you can work. I, it's been, I'm surprised it's taken this long for SpongeBob to get to get worked in there. Yeah, I uh, I don't know why it never occurred to me before. Basically, I'm going to redo all the sounders, and they're all going to include SpongeBob. <laughs> but uh, that'll take some time. It'll take some time. Let's hear it one more time. I want to hear it again because I like it. Mom, what do you think? I love it. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that from now on should be how we fucking <laughs> describe movies. Like if we enjoyed it, we should be like, "I love it." And, you get one or the other. We, yeah, or if we didn't. We go, "I hated it." <laughs> I can get behind that. I'll make up a couple more sounders, and then we'll be able to give them one or the other. Let's oh, jump into it. We we saw a few movies this week, uh, partially because we were traveling. You love to watch movies on the plane, so we have four reviews about to come at you. Uh, let's start with one that you watched, Seth. So this Wait. is a... Actually, we've got two two Netflix originals uh, that Seth has watched this week. And the first one is one that I've had on my list for a while, actually, uh, and I've been excited to see. Uh, Steven, Soderbergh is be- Steven-, <laughs> Steven Soderbergh is back. He is filming with his iPhone once again. And uh, he's taken on a little bit of a genre that, that you wouldn't have expected from him if you know his, his past filmography here. Tell us about this one. Yeah, uh, high flying bird Ca-ca! is ah! the is is the the movie I saw is one that I, it came out earlier this year uh, I think in January it might even came out um, January February and uh, it's so uh, yeah I said Steven Soderbergh it was filmed in an iPhone it's about kind of the what in a fictional world the NBA has gone on a lockout and um, it's about this agent who has his cousin, who's also a rookie in the NBA, he was the number one pick, um, kind of in limbo. He's ha- He hasn't been paid yet because he hasn't played a game and hasn't the f- season hasn't started. But he also has a high level of fame and, and still has some leverage and, and things like that. And so it's this agent trying to play different sides of the NBA and the and a, a NBA Players Association and, and just generally, you know, advertisers and things like that to try and, um, you know, keep his star... Uh, as valuable as he can during these times and also um, try to get this lockout done because he doesn't he's not getting paid either and so his company is hurting and things like that so um, this movie as a Steven Soderbergh movie would be is very dialogue dialogue heavy very um, plot heavy a lot of um, different pieces that kind of fit into place as the movie goes along and that, that reveal themselves I mean, it's just a very tactical type of movie that, that he that he puts together and and that's no different here i mean there's this there it's 100 percent dialogue there's really no basketball to be even shown in this movie in terms of being played so the actors didn't really have to be that good at basketball um they uh really dive into some cool and interesting aspects for for those who like basketball and like the business side of it i think this is a really cool movie to to see because they do dive into some of the the uh bargaining aspects of what a lockout would look like and just bargaining in terms of the NBA in general, um, the different relationships that all have to be made. And they, they bring up different 
aspects of the like the agents and the the NBA and how much each get how much of each side gets what cut and things like that and you know they they unfortunately which is true they they relate it to back to things like race and even kind of slavery in some ways and things like that too so they they bring up a lot of these points in this movie that have to do with you know looking at the 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 economics of the NBA and and you know who's playing the game and and how much money they're making and why they're making that much money and things like that I thought that was really really cool and I think you know, on a service level, you can enjoy the movie based just off these characters. But if you look at it at a deeper level, you can really pick out a lot of things for fans of sports and business and things like that, that you can take from this. And just, you know, again, even looking at the things like the race and stuff like that, too, there's a lot of things you can pick out of it that make a lot of sense. And a lot of commentary on that stuff, too, which is cool. So um, I, I like this movie a lot. There's not a ton of star power in this movie, really. Zazie Beetz was probably the most famous person. She had, she does a really, a really, really good job in the movie, too. She plays the like assistant or former assistant of the main character, and she... She kind of is, is a driving force into a lot of what's going on. She's she's used kind of as a as a as a co like a teammate, but she's also kind of going off. She has her own agenda. Um, not a ton of star power, but just a lot of really good performances all around. Like I said, Zazie Beats is probably the biggest star in it, but and she does a really good job. She she shows some of her acting chops too. So, um, like I said, all around there's a lot to enjoy here. I thought I think the only people that really don't won't enjoy this type of movie is if they're not into you know, dialogue, which I guess there's a decent amount of people um, who don't like the dialogue heavy, uh, you know, plot heavy type of movies, because there is a lot to, like, if you want to fully enjoy the movie, you do have to pay attention to the dialogue, and it's probably not a good one to watch, like, at home, because, you know, because you can, you know, get it distracted on your phone or whatever, it's kind of one of those, like, you have to be, you want to be locked in the entire time so you can understand everything that's going on with it. But you can enjoy it on the service level, too, just based off the characters. But definitely would check it out. I'd probably lean more towards the side of, uh, I love it! Yeah! <laughs> it's catching on. <laughs> I uh, This is exactly what I wanted to hear. It, it, you know how I love dialogue and plot and all of this, and the acting talent is cool in it, and I love basketball. So this is one that I'm definitely going to check out. Soderbergh is on a nice little stint here. Uh, he did a couple years ago Logan Lucky, which I know connected with you. Uh, and with me as well. Uh, I saw last year's Unsane, which was interesting. It was a little different, but it was very good. Uh, Claire Foy was in that one. Uh, and now High Flying Bird on Netflix. So Soderbergh's on an interesting little uh, little run here, which is great. And I've always been a fan of his work. So uh, good to see. The movie is High Flying Bird. You can catch it on Netflix now. And Seth gives it a recommend. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to another movie that is currently on Netflix. It's not a Netflix original. Uh, This is one that I watched over the weekend called All About Nina. Uh, This stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who... I'm just... And uh, so she is... You may know her as Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is right up there with The Rival in terms of my best movies ever. Um... (laughs) And she is great in this. I will start by saying that. So the Nina, the main character, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, is a stand-up comic in this. And she is trying to work her way into a, a big job um, while also dealing with some personal things. Is kind of the, the trajectory of the story. And she's got a lot of interesting things going on. The way she interacts with men is a challenge for her. She's kind of a... Uh, the way she puts it in the movie is she doesn't date, she fucks. And so 
which is kind of a Cody's common. perked up. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a common trope of you know female comics is that they're slutty. I don't know why, but it is, and uh, she's no exception. Uh, what's What's fun about this movie is it gives you in the very first ten seconds of the movie, it gives you this very vulgar, very explicit comic, and then kind of peels her back over the course of the movie, and you figure out you learn about her and why she's that way. Um, while all this is going on, she meets a man played by common, which I thought was a very interesting choice. And they start up kind of a relationship. And so it's about her relationship with common as it grows. And also while she starts to get some opportunities in comedy and they grow and how those things interact, uh, common in this wasn't great, but surprised me a little bit. I've never really had respect for common as an actor. Uh, but in this, he's actually pretty charming. Uh, he's pretty cool. And I think he does a good job. He's an interesting type of male character in this. He, he's not... Traditionally, what you would see in a movie like this is very very strong-headed female takes on an even stronger-headed male, right? And then gets sort of relegated to the secondary. Like, that seems to be what happens to these kind of women in movies. But not the case here. She and him are very much equals, which is interesting. They both get the better of each other at different times, and neither of them take shit from the other. Um, so that was really interesting. The cool part about this is their relationship to me, I thought was very cool. The comedy aspects of this were also really good. There's some great, uh, stand-up comedy writing in this and anything that's about the world of stand-up comedy, I, I gravitate to, and, and this was not, no disappointment. Mary Elizabeth Winstead does a lot here. I thought she was very, very good. If it's going to sell the movie to you, I'll tell you that she does appear nude in it. So you can, you can tune in for that if you like. Uh, but I think you get a great performance in this from her. Uh, the The rest of the characters are fine. Common is good, I would say. Uh, and it's got an interesting story to it. It's, it makes you feel some shit, is what I will say. It's not a particularly happy movie. Um, and I will say that if you're going to watch it, I would recommend checking out the website doesthedogdie.com, which I've, I've, know I've mentioned on this, this show before, uh, which is a, it's a website that tells you about the trigger warnings you should have before you go into a movie. So I'd recommend searching for All About Nina on, on that website before you do, because there are some, some triggers that you'll want to be aware of. But um, on the whole, I would recommend it. I think it's one of those movies that is going to make you a little sad when you watch it, but not cripplingly so. Just enough to make you feel something for a little bit, uh, which occasionally I, I do enjoy as much as I talk about not liking sad movies. Uh, and this, I, I wouldn't say, is completely sad. It's just got some stuff in it that makes you really feel. And uh, above all, I would say watch it for a Mar Mary Elizabeth Winstead's performance. But this is one that I'm going to go ahead and recommend to, especially if you're into stand-up comedy. And uh, if you're not, then even just for the, the cool little relationship aspect of it, it's, it's one that I think folks should watch. Seth, I think that you would especially like it. Okay. Is uh is on the whole the the word this week? <laughs> no, it is not on the whole. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but preparation H does feel good on the whole. <laughs> um so would you lean more more towards uh would you lean more towards uh a, a, I love it or a, I hated it. Hmm. I would say if if that is my, if those if it's if it's binary, then mm. I'm going to lean toward I love it because okay. I did I did enjoy it a lot. Okay. So that movie is all about Nina. You can check it out on Netflix now. Uh, all about Nina starring Mary Elizabeth Winsett gets a recommend from Co. Let's go to one more Netflix original. 
this is another, and I, it seems like we're in the age of these musical biopics, Seth. It seems like we're going to get one about every band you've ever heard of. Uh, so here's another one. I think some interesting casting in this is one of the things that I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about, but uh, the story of, of one of the top, I think, 80s rock bands uh, that, that you watched. It's, uh, it's a story about Motley Lou, the <laughs> band from Hot Tip Time Machine. <laughs> That's um, such a great gag in that. <laughs> and Lugal. No, this, uh, it is about Motley Crue. It's called The Dirt, which is based off of a book that the band all wrote together that... Uh, basically it's a collection of all their stories from, you know, coming up together as a band and all the crazy shit that they did. And they decided to make that into a movie. <laughs> and so that's what we got. The, yeah, the casting is very interesting. They, I think the the most notable one was uh machine gun. Kelly is Tommy Lee. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know like I watched Jared, uh, he reviewed this, this as well at, at Jared Buckendall. There you go. And uh, he, he reviewed this as well. And he mentioned Machine Gun Kelly and the Tommy Lee thing. And like him, I didn't know really a ton about Tommy Lee other than the Pamela Henderson stuff (laughs) with the the boat and the sex tape and all that. Dude's packing some Uh, serious heat. (laughs) 69. (laughs) Nice. Jesus Christ. And, And so... I can't really honestly comment on the portrayal portrayal of him. He was very goofy and different and weird and was uh, always cracking jokes and kind of like a slapstick almost character, but that could have been how Tommy Lee was. I don't know. You know, I just, I thought overall, like performance wise, like I don't know these characters that much. So I don't know the people that much. So like they're in terms of real life portrayal, I didn't really, I can't really judge a whole lot. Like in terms of acting, I thought they were all pretty good. I really preferred, the actor who played Nikki Six, who is the I think he's the bassist of the group, um, and then the actor who pl- played the the guitar, um, and I could be backwards on those. I don't remember which one is which. I'm not going to pronounce the actor's name either. Um, Mar Mick Mars. Uh, he is he's a guy from Game of Thrones. He played the I think he I think Mick Mars is the. I think it's pronounced guitar, Ivan. I don't know. Fuck Ivan Rion Rion. I don't know. It's from Wales, Go maybe it. it might be Ewan. It might be Ewan. Like I said, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this guy's British <laughs> but, as fuck, but yeah, yeah. He's but they, they were both they were both really good in their performance. Both are very. They were more the reserved type characters. They 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 kind of had more of the deeper backstory, especially Nikki Six. He he was really the main driving thing about his backstory. Kind of played and in, came into play a decent amount, as much as they did go into the backstories, which is mostly just him him and his drug addiction was and I guess stuff with his mom. He had some kind of shit going on with his mom too. Um, he was the driving force and really the most most interesting thing about the movie in terms of characters. I what I'll say about the movie as a whole is it just seemed like it was a movie that was made and mind you this was directed by the guy who did Jackass, Jeff Tremaine. <laughs> so a lot of the antics in this movie were very Jackass, Jackass esque. That's a hard one to say. Jackass esque. There we go. They, you know, the, the, they, which is again based off all these true stories. The band was involved with this movie too, um, because just like they're involved with the, the book. So, you know, they, they, it's their input was in this. So, you know, if these stories are true, they're, you know, they're the ones telling it. And there are a lot of like crazy shit, like, you know, throwing stuff out of windows and licking pee up off the floor and stuff like that. Just like really weird, gross stuff, Been but there. stuff that, <laughs> stuff that bands have done and so you know um that makes sense that they got Jeff Tremaine to do this movie in, in a way but you know people want to talk about want to talk about 
Bohemian Rhapsody for skipping over some of the deeper stuff and, and really focusing more on the fun and stuff like that. This movie, it didn't even focus away from it. It completely, like, ignored the deeper stuff. Like, it would bring it up, be like, you know, I did heroin. And then it, they even say in the movie, like, the, this is Nikki Six. He, you know, he, it's like, we, we all went to rehab and, you know, went through some deep emotional stuff, but you don't want to see that. And then they skip right past that, nah. you know? So they just like they completely they completely uh, disregard all that stuff. Um, same thing with like so like the drug addiction they they get rid of divorces they don't they don't address. Um, the, really, the deepest stuff they address is like Vince Neil, who's the lead singer. His his kid dies, which I think was kind of a famous thing, and they address that real briefly and kind of that's a point with the band and all that stuff. But you know it's. They 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 really focus so hardly in the partying and the craziness and the and all that. They honestly don't even focus on the music that much. Like they, there's a point where there was like an almost like in Bohemian Rhapsody where they do like the where he does the the piano to uh, uh, Mama, you know, like that that part of the mm-hmm. song. Um, they kind of do a similar thing with um, the Home Sweet Home, nice. just real briefly. That's about it though. Like. They show so, they show some of the music. They show them doing concerts, but like it's very brief. It's mostly just about their crazy partying, and like it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch to a certain extent, but at a certain point, you're just like, what? Other than seeing these guys party and show how much fun they had, like, what am I hundred percent getting out of this? You know, mm-hmm. like this is made for Motley Crue fans and people who grew up in that time who wanted to, you know, see this crazy story. But it, as a movie, is it, it on a, on its on its own isn't really that that great you know it's not a bad movie by any means i thought performances were all fine and music was fun when they did do it and you know like the crazy stuff that happened it's like whoa it's nuts but at the same time it's like you know it's this 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 is the type of stuff there's a a ton of the stuff in this movie that that happens where it's like if this happened now these this band would never play again you know they're kind of glorifying they they're not kind of they are glorifying this crazy stupid stuff they did um, and there's really not much of a lesson to be learned. There's really not much substance to this movie. Well, there's a lot of substance, but it's being in- inhaled and, and inserted into their bodies. But it's uh, there's not much substance to the actual story. It's just very, it's a service level look at the band. It's they completely shy away from anything that could be redeemed in terms of an emotional aspect. I don't know. I I'm not a huge Motley Crue fan, so maybe I'm missing something with it. But it's. It's, I would say, and I think Jared brings it up too, like, unless you're a big Motley Crue fan or are okay with just the surface level stuff, and, and there is some brutal emotional stuff, like, some brutal stuff, like, like I mentioned, there's some topics, there's death, there's drug use, stuff like that, but they show it, and then it's done, and, like, that's it, you know, like, there's not a ton to be, there's not a lot of character, character development in the movie, it's just pretty surface level, uh, and pretty... It's just, you know, it, unfortunately it's glorifying a lot of stuff that I don't think probably deserves to be glorified. So, I don't know. It's it's not a bad movie. It's just not something I can wholeheartedly recommend unless you're a big fan of them or if you just, you know, want to spend an hour and a half watching a crazy, dumb band biopic, you know, that, that doesn't really have much to it. Yeah, I, I get why, I get this, I get why this isn't landing with you, um, but I think you'll agree, like, this is going to have an audience, you know, whether it's the Motley Crue fans or the Jackass fans, like, and I, I would also agree, like, it, it, it's probably irresponsible for him to, to glorify and to just show the cool parts of what they did, because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, some of the shit they would do, like, you would be just fucking flabbergasted by the kind of shit that they got away with, 
and mm-hmm. nobody ever asked them you know nobody ever gave them gave a shit because their music was so dope so mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing i wish it would have been more honest and more deep um that's kind of what i was hoping for in this movie and bohemian rhapsody mm-hmm. did some of that so that that's part of why yeah it was so well received but um there's yeah, yeah like i said there's a there's a few things that that do kind of go a little bit it's not like the stuff they needed to go into especially like the drug use because that's a big thing you know like especially with bands like that like they did a shitload of drugs and eventually all got to the point where they wanted to you know get their act together but when they get to that point where it's like all right they're gonna get their act together they don't show how they like they, they're like oh we got out of rehab all right <laughs> like that, that, that was it you know like they even mm-hmm. they explicitly say like you don't want to see that it's like no i do like i get you all have a certain amount of time and there's a certain story you want to tell but you know i i don't think jeff tremaine was the fucking guy to tell this story really mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I think that's the thing too, is it's not the story you wanted to hear. And it's not the one I wanted to hear either. And I, I doubt it's the story most people wanted to hear, but some people are going to be stoked by the fact that they, they only had to watch the debaucherous stuff and not, you know, the rehab. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe another one comes out someday that's more honest. I don't know. But are you, so you may have said, are you, are you recommending this to the average Joe, not necessarily a Motley Crue fan? Not really, no. I, I don't think there's a lot to be gained from this if you're just an average person scrolling through Netflix. I think a lot of people will shut it off within the first five minutes if they're not big fans of Motley Crue or um, don't have a lot of room for uh, debaucherous stuff um, or don't have a lot of room, like if they have sensitive stomachs. Um, I mean, the first five minutes shows a woman squirting across, across a room. So I don't think that's going to, I don't think it's going to go down well with a bunch of people. But, you know, it's, uh, like I said, not a badly made movie, but it is not a movie that I think everyone or even probably a majority of people will really like or gravitate to. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, so the I, dirt. I would say I would say I lean more towards the side of, I hated it. I, I hated really it. Hate it. <laughs> I didn't really hate it. <laughs> but it's south of, south of uh, you know, the dividing line. Uh, that's the nature of these. I love it versus I hated it. Uh, you know, when you got to pick a side, sometimes it's not always as clear, but, uh, the dirt, not getting a recommendation from Seth. Uh, you mentioned our, our good buddy at Jared Buckendall. We're gonna link to his, his review as well. So you can check that out and, uh, see his thoughts. But, uh, if you watch the dirt, let us know what you think. Is Seth an idiot? And should he have loved it more? Who knows? Let us know on the tweets, what you think of it. I'm really stoked to get into this last movie uh so this is one of our i think it made both of our highest anticipated movies of the year list uh it is the follow-up to get out which was a breakout hit from jordan peele go and in. it is uh go in is what it's called <laughs> enter i actually seen a movie called enter but it's not what i want to talk about um <laughs> yeah us is the name of this movie and you know if you have a tv you've seen the commercial um Basically, a family is being stalked by doppelgangers of themselves and need to, you know. Is doppelganger the word? Figure out what to do. No, doppelganger is not the word. That would have been cheating. Damn it. Us. Now, so, okay, here's the thing about us. We are going to do a spoiler section in a little bit about us. Um, There's not a lot that we can say, I don't think, before we get into spoilers, but I do want to give folks a general idea, Seth, of what we thought of it and whether or not we recommend it. So... Uh, I'll go first and say uh, awesome and yes. Um, I think this is a very well done movie. It is, here's what I'll say. Uh, I learned 
I learned two things when I watched this movie, two or three things. One, uh, Jordan Peele is some kind of genius. Uh, the, the way he thinks and the way he shoots and the way he puts things into movies that nobody else is thinking about is incredible. Two, Jordan Peele is not perfect. Right. So there is, there's a ton of stuff to really appreciate and love about this movie. There are some problems with this movie. And, um, you know, a lot of people are going to tell you that it's the best movie of all time and the best horror and all of this. I'm not putting it in that echelon. I'm not, I, I really enjoyed it. Yes. I recommend it to people. I do. I'll see it again in theaters. Absolutely. I, I don't have it higher than get out. I know that's the natural comparison that people want to do. I still prefer Get Out to this, but I really, really, really enjoyed Us, and I, I think that people should see it. Um, some of the highlights for me, the acting in this is incredible. Every every bit of acting in this is awesome. Um, the thoughts, like the metaphors behind it, the symbolism, I thought is really awesome, and the um, the music was a highlight for me. Some of the things they did with the music. Uh, the trailer featured I Got Five on it, which is a rap song, and... That trailer basically uh, informs the entire score of this movie, which is a really interesting thing to do and I thought was done super well. So on the whole, I had an amazing time with it. Is it a 10 out of 10 in my book? No. And I think people that say that are kind of kidding themselves a little bit, but um, I am recommending it. So what do you what do you think, Seth? Are you sure on the whole is not the secret word? Because you've done that twice now. <laughs> no, I just not. <laughs> <laughs> Us, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think I agree with a lot. A lot of what you said. I thought the acting, directing, music, editing, cinematography, all that was excellent. Um, there's not many horror movies that are are that ambitious that go for that. And and Peel really just puts all of the technical technical aspects into uh, play when it comes to his horror movies. He does a really great job of that. Um, and he's, like you said, he, he thinks very far ahead about these type of things. I think what might've suffered in this one for me is, is, uh, the, the story overall story. I thought maybe he was, you know, thinking too heavily about a lot of the, the themes and the cues that he wanted to, to get across. And it might've hurt the overall general story that I think Mm -hmm. he might've been going for. Cause like with get out, there was a lot to dive into, but, on the surface, just on the surface of Get Out, it made sense. You know, mm-hmm. all that made sense. He wrote that very, very uh, clearly and in and, and, and a concise way that made sense. But on through everything else that he did with that movie, there's so much to dive into to get on multiple viewings. I think there's – same thing with us. I think there's a lot to get on, a multi, on multiple viewings. But I think the overall general story that he made was a little – was more muddled than, than Get Out was. And I think it was harder to really attach to that story and those in the characters and all that be, because he was going for something so big with all of the other statements he was making that it didn't quite didn't quite land with me as like Get Out did, if that makes sense. Well, it um, totally does. And so I I didn't have as much enjoyment enjoyment out of it. But as someone who like like we've talked about before goes into a movie looking for great performances and 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 directing and things like that i enjoyed that on on an insane level the 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 performance by lupita nyong'o especially right away when she comes in and is and the other of her where she's you know talking and doing Mm -hmm. the monologue like that was insane you Mm -hmm. know like that that that's a fucking 
like acting masterclass right there. That was that was so good. On um, on Lupita, uh, here's what I will say about Lupita, and I don't. This has probably been done in in movies before, but you know I tend to be uh, a little hyperbolic right after I've seen a movie. I don't know if I've ever felt in the same movie that Lupita Nyong'o can absolutely get it, and she scares the shit out of me. I like I don't know it's and she's playing two characters, so it's kind of easy, but like. I felt both of those things in a major way during this movie. She's fantastic. And that, that's, I think, the thing that I've seen the most of in terms of reactions mm-hmm. to this is that she is amazing. And, you know, we'll see if she can get a nomination. Um, but I, I think I wouldn't be pissed if she did today. Of course, there's a lot of stuff yet to come out. But Lupita's great. Yeah, I could definitely see come Oscar time that she, uh, you know, has, has, has uh, you know, the, the recognition for that because she is, she is outstanding. I mean, the entire cast is great. The kid actors were great. Uh, Winston Duke is great. Uh, Elizabeth Moss and, and and all that like really great performances all around and that's because of how great of a director Jordan Peele is he's able to get these performances out of people that you wouldn't expect you know mm-hmm. like some of those actors like Lupita and, and Elizabeth Moss have had a lot of uh, attention you know have, have been in a lot of uh, higher grade stuff but um, you know Winston Duke and and these kids don't have as much work just same thing with like Dana Kalua and, and uh Lil Rel and stuff you know and get out like he got uh, same thing with uh, Allison Williams not you know not known to be a, a great you know masterful actor things things like that but they come out of these movies looking amazing and it's because of Jordan Peele and his his direction and his vision and what, what he wants out of the characters and um, like I said I just don't think the story completely landed with me and I, it's one that I I did want to do want to go see again hopefully I'll get to it it's going to be a busy few weeks movies wise so I don't know if I'll get mm-hmm. to it before it leaves but you know, it's 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 very it's it's well done all around in terms of the, the the technical aspects. It's just the story wasn't all there for me. Yeah, I think that, and that's the most common criticism I've heard, and it's one I agree with. Is it works on a filmmaking level, it works on a performance level, um, it doesn't quite work on a if you take the story literally and just look at the plot on a surface level, it doesn't quite fit together in a way that is neat. And that is a problem. Um, it's one that I think a lot of people are going to be willing to forgive here because it, it does the other things so well. And and it's not to be understated. What he's pulling out of these actors is insane. Like they're having to portray some shit that's never been done before. He's having to probably explain some shit to them that they've never considered that, you know, in their lives. So like mm-hmm. they're doing some interesting stuff here and it's very, very fun to watch. Let's not forget either. The movie's scary as fuck. Like when it, when this movie's creepy, it is creepy. And uh, when it wants to be funny, it is very funny. Everyone knows Peel can do comedy. Um, it, it, it does almost everything the way that it's set out to do, uh, but not quite. So that's why, that's why you're not hearing us. It's not on a rival level yet. But the, my, my favorite thing about <laughs> is this Is rival the word? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a rival. I wish it was. But um, my favorite thing about this is my favorite thing about Get Out. And it's that it's, it sparks debate and conversation and deeper thought and articles and think pieces and all of this stuff. And this absolutely will do that and already has. And, and we'll talk about some of those things in a second when we get into some spoilers. But I, I think one of my favorite things about this is that it has stuck with me. Uh, when I watched that movie, I came home that night and just sat in the silence and thought for like a while about it. And then I quickly went to reading articles and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is the kind of movie that I really enjoy. I talk about Arrival because of the same kind of shit. It makes you think about some stuff that you weren't thinking about before. Uh, and this this definitely has a message it is trying to give you. 
rather than an ambiguous question it wants you to think about. It's got a message it wants to give you, but it, I think it delivers it in a way that's interesting and cool and will encourage thought. Um, I'm not uh, naive enough to think it's going to fix anything, but it'll it'll cause people to think. And uh, and I think it was really, really super well done. The problems that I have with it are actual, are, they're real problems, but um, they don't ruin the movie for me. So when, when I was bitching about Captain Marvel having little problems with how they treated certain things uh, out of continuity from the MCU, like that's a different kind of story here. And you can call me biased, fine. But here I was able to forgive some of the problems that the movie had. Continuity. <laughs> no, it's not continuity. God damn it. I, uh, I, I will say this to you, Seth. I have said the word. Damn it. All right. I, I have said the word of the day. So I'll, I'll let you know Shit. at the end of the show what it is. Uh, you can you can try to think back on everything I've said and uh, see if you can get it. But Well, the only fucking word I can hear you say is arrival because you've said it 5,000 times. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're both recommending this to folks. Uh, we both enjoyed it a lot. Anything you want to get off your chest before we get into a little bit of spoiler talk? No, I'm just pissed. <laughs> All right. Well, the movie is Us. It is in theaters now. It's making a crazy amount of money. Uh, I, it, it's the top uh, top grossing opening weekend for a black female-led movie ever. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty specific, but it's also pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and also so, for an original horror movie as well. Biggest opening for original horror movies. So, like, not a franchise. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's an even wider net, but that's that's pretty tight. Uh, Us is great. Go see it. If you haven't seen it yet, you're going to want to skip ahead because we're going to get into a little spoiler talk here. If you have seen it, stick around because I know you've probably got some of the same questions that we're going to talk about here. Let's get into some spoilers for Us. S-P-O-I-L. Spoil. Soiled it! Soiled it! <laughs> Soiled it! You ruined it and I'm leaving. Two for two on Spongebob tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what was the last one uh it was actually dragon ball z oh god mm-hmm. i don't care then what was the spoil the spoi was that from something or just something you found you want to know how i found that I, I i searched youtube for the word spoil okay and that's just a that's just an account that gives you like the definition for shit okay so it reads it spells it says it in a sentence and gives you the definition i just picked out that little part <laughs> my favorite part was spongebob though Let's talk spoiler. Okay, so spoilers for us, and there's a lot here to unpack, but uh, let me ask you this. I want to start here, Seth. What did you think of the reveal at the end that the two of them had swapped and that the doppelganger from underground is actually the Lupita that we've been following all movie? I kind of figured that that had been the case. There's a point where Lupita, her character, like the one that you think is you know, the actual one, the entire, you know, the one, the, 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 above the mom, not the, t- yeah, the above ground yeah. one, not, not the tethered one. Um, she like kills someone and starts growling mm-hmm. kind of just like, a, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's it. And they were very, also very ambiguous with like what happened down there with them. Yeah. Like they didn't really, they never finished it. So when that reveal happened, I was like that, you know, that makes sense. And that, the I knew something was weird about it when she, you know, did the growl thing. So I'm like, okay, they should, either she's linked in some way or that's, they've switched. So mm-hmm. I wasn't like, I wasn't blown away. I mean, I, I wasn't mad by it. I thought it was cool, but I wasn't like, well, you know. Yeah. I, I'll agree with you. I, it didn't shock me. I picked it out actually pretty early. 
um, based on the fact that um, they didn't show what happened in the mm-hmm. in the mirror maze and she just was out there now and then later on when they talked about her not having spoken for a while i was thinking okay yeah. something i think something is up and then any time any time there are there are doppelgangers you they're gonna switch right um, yeah but i will say that didn't ruin anything for me because uh, the entire time i was wondering i was like are they gonna do it are they gonna do it and then they did and i think the reason that I appreciate that switch so much is that it adds, there's a whole other level, right? So there's a lot of themes in this movie, but the one of them that's my very favorite is this idea that the, the above ground Lupita that we've been following the below, let's refer to the below ground one as red, the one that we, that is evil, the whole movie. So there's Mm -hmm. red and there's Lupita. Lupita is a person that has escaped from what we know is an allegory for like the slums or being poor or the hood or whatever. And uh, Lupita in the beginning of the movie escaped that by, by switching spots and coming out and learning all the things and having all the advantages. And, and like, like red says, she gets to marry the prince and have the beautiful kids and all that stuff. And, it's it's a it's a thing in in poor communities, you know, in, in the projects and things like that. If you're a person who has escaped that life and you don't go back to help everyone else or to pull anyone else out and you just leave and you don't come back and you just scream out of there, then that's a it's a negative thing, right? It it, mm-hmm. it paints you in this light where you're just looking out for yourself and you don't care about the struggle and things like that. And that's what she's living because now all these people who used to be her family, right? Like those are, that's all for all intents and purposes, her family down there. And they don't give a shit about her now because she left them there. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really interesting bit about that. That is cool. And then the second part about that, you talked about her grunting and that is her, that's her hood coming out in her like as much as she tries to hide that and as sophisticated as she thinks she is when the chips are down she goes straight back to what's primal to her and i think that's super interesting and cool and subtle too because you could easily miss that stuff and i love that so even though it didn't blow me away and i wasn't shocked by the twist i thought it added a really cool element to it but uh you know it the the thing that i the the spoiler portion of it that i that i didn't like i'll start with a con is the scene where they're in the the tunnels and Red is expositing to, to Lupita and telling her how she came to be, right? So about the cloning and about the untethering and about how she set everything up. I think that minute or that 90 seconds of movie is everything that's wrong with the movie mm-hmm. because they give you, first of all, they give you all the answers, Right. And you could have slow bled that stuff throughout the movie, but he just gives it all to you and it seems lazy. And um, because they give you all of that answer, all those answers and all that exposition, it, it, it presents the opportunity for plot holes, right? And now people can mm-hmm. start poking at why would they do this and how would they do this and how are there that many people underground and how do they all know where the other ones are? And how do they get untethered and why are they untethered during sometimes and not during other times? Like every plot hole that you can find comes back to the fact that they tried to explain it in a way that made sense. And I think Mm -hmm. if you leave it ambiguous, then this is a damn near perfect movie. But they tried to have it come back to something that that you could point at. And I think that was a problem. Don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that that was the nice part about Get Out is that they didn't you know, really explain a ton of it. You know, it, it all they explained enough with the whole you know, like the, the brain 
stuff, <laughs> you know, like that, that they're doing where, you know, it made sense. Um, you don't know if there's other people out there doing this. You just kind of focused on that family. I think that, you know, part of that with this is that they, he wanted to make it go a little bit more wild, not a little bit, a lot more wide scale with this one. This, mm-hmm. He wanted this to impact not just this one family, but, you know, everyone, uh, you know, in, in America and all that stuff too. So it, you know, I think he, I think by wanting to go as ambitious as he did and, and deliver as many messages as he wanted to, it, it got with the the base story, it got a little bit too, like we talked about earlier, a little bit too muddled, and and that expo- that that whole exposition there that you're talking about, that that's kind of what did him in because he he created the rules that we didn't really want to know. Mm-hmm. It, it it introduces inconsistencies, right? So they the way they kill the boy. Um, which, by the way, is absolutely cold-blooded. Like, the balls to, in a scary movie, just burn a kid alive in front of us is pretty sweet. <laughs> like, I think that's lost on a lot of people. Like, you don't see that in fucking movies. But the way they do that with him basically tricking him, tricking the tethered kid into backing into the fire, um, now that scene confuses me because I thought they were untethered. Like, how can they be chasing him around, killing him, if they have to do what the other guy's doing? And you can explain it away and you can do some hand-waving, and I'm willing to do that. But people are going to poke holes in it because you tried to explain it. And I, I think that's, that's what my issue is there. I think the second family was an interesting thing. Uh, I, I can see why people wouldn't like that, um, but I did. I thought it was really cool. I thought that was an opportunity that they had to introduce a lot of humor and to bring the family kind of together, the main family. Um, and I really dug Elizabeth Moss. So I, I thought, did you like that whole scene where they went to the second family's house and had to go against them? Yeah, that was cool. That was a, that was an interesting shot where it was outside the the house and all that. That was cool. When they all stabbed him. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, and that, that's another thing. This movie is violent. There is some. Mm-hmm. There is some gore. There is some some pretty raw fighting and shit. And I think that was a really interesting, really interesting thing. The. Uh, the way I know in my theater and I went on, it was opening night. My theater was hyped like the, uh, that scene. So they start playing fuck the police. And I was sitting two seats down from like this, this just this like chubby ass white kid who was also there by himself. And, um, he dead. I'm not making this up was rapping. Fuck the police. And he didn't say any words he wasn't supposed to or anything, but he was just getting down to this fucking song. And me and him like had a moment about it where like we made eye contact and we dapped about it and it was so fun. And, uh, and then while that's going on, the kids are like fucking up these tethered kids and, Mm -hmm. uh, the daughter is beating the hell out of this girl with a, with a golf club. And that is one of those moments. And you always get this in horror where the, the victim character gets the upper hand and is beating some ass and my theater was stoked about it. Like people were clapping and cheering and laughing and all that stuff. And that was, I think, a super fun scene for me. That fucking girl who cartwheels, that was like a, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Through the doorway. I'm like, no, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. No, they were creepy as shit. The tethered and yeah. okay. So all the tethered and, you know, they're all the actors are double actors in this. They did such a good job of making them creepy as fuck. I don't know what it was, but they were all terrifying, especially Lupita, because she was getting it so hard on the other side. Um, but the kids are awesome. We haven't talked about Winston Duke in this. And he he's he's good. He does what he's supposed to do, but he's definitely not the focal point of this movie. Um, yeah. One of the things that I understand, but I didn't love, was that they hobbled him early in the movie 
and he was kind of a lame duck the whole time. Mm-hmm. I get why you do that, but it was just kind of stressful for me to watch him hobble around. Uh, and mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe that's what they wanted. I don't know. But um, I did love his corny dad jokes and stuff like that. So I, I thought he was really fun in this. Yeah, the comedy in this all around was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his tether didn't really last long, but it was I, he, him just screaming like, Durr! yeah, <laughs> that was like that. Uh, I know my theater kind of laughed at that. I was like, yeah, it wasn't really that after a while. He after he did it a few times. I'm like, that's because he did it at a point where he was just like chase kind of chasing him down or whatever just screaming mm-hmm. but it wasn't like an intense thing he was just like Durr! yeah so i was i was never really scared of him but like all the like all the other tethereds moved in like a weird like just almost slithery snake-like way or like we're doing weird fucking acrobatics like cartwheeling in front of a doorway <laughs> like <laughs> like they're they all have a weird little thing about them and so most of them are really creepy the daughter absolutely scared me because she seemed oh like a God. fucking sadist like she she was just toying with her by letting her run and have a head start and she fucked up that guy yeah. in the in the street like she was off oh and when she drops down below the car so you can't see her and is yeah. running around it and she, i was i was poof, i was out like yeah yep. that was fun they um the horror elements of this were great i think um one of the things that I really enjoyed, and this was a, a really small thing with Elizabeth Moss's character. So a lot of this movie is about kind of classism, right? And we're talking about what it means to be poor or rich or privileged or not, or whatever to, whatever line you want to put between people is, I think, what this movie's about. And in the case of the white family, they are basically privileged versus not privileged, right? Because they have the nice boat and the nice house and the tech and all that stuff. So when Elizabeth Moss's doppelganger murders her, the thing that she does is go sit in front of the mirror and put makeup on. And that was a weird thing, a very creepy thing, but also a very poignant thing. And I, Mm -hmm. in that moment in the movie, like it took me, it took me till the end of the movie to really understand the entire thing that was going on. But in that one moment, I was like, oh my God, like, all she wants to do is like put makeup on, right? Like mm-hmm. that's all that's all she wanted to do. And I think that is such a big deal, like and such a cool little moment that, you know, could have it wouldn't have affected the movie if they didn't include it. But it means so much and it informs so much of what the rest of the movie is about, um, that it was really cool. And that's also another tight in on the face like multiple emotions coming out at once, kind of contradicting each other. Very similar to what we saw in Get Out with, I know the scene you know I'm talking about in Get mm-hmm. Out. Um, and maybe that's Peel's kind of trademark is is getting that out of people. But I, I really dug, and as small as a part as they ended up being, I really dug Elizabeth Moss. Uh, what else in here? Did you, is that is that what you got out of this? Like the 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 metaphor or the lesson in here was like, division between groups of people or classism or rich poor or like what what were some of the things that jumped out to you as far as what what he meant here it was mostly the the classism stuff um you know the the with the tethered being the lower class and the poverty type people and you know the there wasn't really an in-between in this movie it was either low class or or you know wealthy type Mm -hmm. of thing um but it you know it 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 made a lot of sense, um, you know, when you think about it more. The the you know hand the hands across America thing too was was kind of cool, um, you know, with with all of them coming together and and kind of making a statement in that like, you know that that's that's who you know that the, these are the type of people who are going to bring us together. The people who you know are are day in and day out kind of 
making sure the country runs. It's not, you know, it's not going to be the, the, you know, it's not going to be the, the wealthy people who live up in their ivory towers and don't want things to change. You know, it's the people who um, are living in the, in the crappy environments that, you know, want stuff to change and make things better for everyone type of thing. So um, there's kind of a statement there. I also liked the idea, the, like, like the, the tethered uh, or the, the red girl, the, the Lupita Nyong'o's red is like, she, she only grew up in, you know, up, up in the, the actual world for, I don't know how old she was. She, when she was taken like six, seven, eight years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like, she's coming back a, a, on a revenge tour because like she never got, you know, she never got to experience the life that, you know, the, the, her life was stolen from her, you know, right. by, by, by the actual Lupita Nyong'o. And, and so like the last thing she saw was the hands across America thing on the TV. And, and she, you know, her ideas that she have of the world are all from a, you know, from a eight year old's perspective. And so, you know, she, you know, she came up and was like, fuck it, I'm taking everything back. And she, you know, her idea is aggression. She, you know, she didn't, she wasn't able to learn, you know, how actual, how actual people are and stuff like that. So I thought that was just kind of cool. That's a cool little thing. Um, the hands across America thing I thought was pretty cool in general. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot to unpack there and a lot of different theories I've read, but I think the main one I got was the social class. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I think that when, I think one of the things it wants to say is when you, when you rob people of, you know, uh, basically their humanity, like, you know, they didn't have food, they didn't have tech, they didn't have speech. They didn't, you know, you take away all these things, or at least you don't offer these things to this class of people. All they have left is anger. Right. And so I, I think as much as anything, it's a a warning, right, that there is eventually going to be enough people that get pissed enough off where it's going to be violence. Right. It's not going to be a, a U.N. summit that <laughs> that changes classism. It's going to be something violent. And so I think it's a warning um, to, you know, those in power or and to all of us, really, Um and I, I think the idea of putting them in tunnels below ground where we don't know they exist is also very key and very intentional and on purpose because on a day to day you don't think about a ho- you don't think about homeless people on a day to day unless one's right in your grill you don't even consider the fact that they exist and I think that's another big thing here is that there are these people they don't maybe look just like us but there are these people that don't have anything and they're just getting pissed off all the day every day until they can't take it anymore and so. I think that they're, and that's why I think this movie is so great. And I think it's going to age very well is that there are a million of these little lessons and a middle, a million tiny things that you can pick out. Um, I was just hearing something earlier today about how Michael Jackson runs through this entire movie uh, and you'd miss it completely if you didn't think about it. But there's the thriller shirt at the beginning and Mm -hmm. then they all wear red, just like in the thriller video. And they all wear one glove like Michael Jackson and oh, yeah. it's just, you know, little stuff like that, that, you know, is in there. And it's why I think it's going to be exciting to go watch it again is to maybe pick out some more of those things. And, and I'll get out upon second watch was incredible. So fun to watch, uh, especially because of Allison Williams in that one. But, um, I think us is going to be one that I go back to a lot and that I think will, uh, has potential to feature in some of our year end lists, uh, for 2019. Certainly so far, I can tell you that it is my top movie so far this year. Um, I think, what did you say? It made, maybe made your top five or so, maybe not number one. Yeah, not, not number one, but it's, it's up there. 
Yeah. So, uh, so that is us and we've only scratched the surface in terms of theories and stuff like that. So, uh, hit us up on the tweets or by email. If you want to let us know what your thoughts are, maybe we'll show them, uh, or showcase them here on the show. Uh, but certainly you can tweet at us and, and let's talk us. Cause I know it's something I'm going to want to be talking about for a while now. Let's, uh, let's get out of spoilers and back to, uh, back to the main folks here in the, here in the podcast here. S P O I L spoil. You ruined it, and I'm leaving. <laughs> We're going to welcome back in folks that wanted to skip spoilers for us. Uh, go see it, man. Just, just go see us, and you can join in on the conversation with us. After you've seen it, make sure you come back, check out the, st- the timestamps in this episode, and so you can go back and get all those good, all those good spoils that, uh, that we've been discussing. And, of course, when you do, uh, hit us up on the tweets and let us know about what you thought. So uh, four big reviews this week. We had a lot of movies to talk about, uh, and I think that's going to continue. We're getting into the meat of the year, Seth. Uh, April's going to be a good month, and then yes. after that, it's, it's fucking Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift uh, all the way through the summer. So a lot of movies uh, that we're going to be checking out, and we're going to be doing more reviews uh, for each one. Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it! <laughs> so do you think uh, for us, we were both closer to... I love it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I was definitely on. I love it. Okay. Yeah. No I, I do want to not like movies as much now so I can just go, I hated it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm going to start being more critical as well. I don't think we need that. <laughs> Says like, I don't need more Miss Marvel or more Captain Marvel at all. So um, <laughs> the warning shot has been fired. Um, those are movies that are already out. Let's get to the movies coming up in the month of April. This is, un- unfortunately, still the new release rectal exam. Still hate that sounder, but I do need to shake the name. <laughs> do need to shake the name of Sir Fisty McRopes III. Uh, so I am hoping to win this month's new release rectal exam. Here's how it works, folks. Seth has come up with three upcoming films. They're all going to be released in April of 2019, and I get a hint for each of them. If I can come up with the titles of the three movies that Seth has chosen, I will get to uh, basically use the nicknames SoHost and CoHost throughout the month of April. If I fail, Seth will get to come up with a creative and probably demeaning nickname for me to use throughout the month of April. So a lot is on the line here in the new release rectal exam. April, I think, is going to be a solid month. Uh, Of course, we know what will cap the month on April uh, 26th, I believe. I doubt that is one of our our options today. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we've got Avengers coming down the pipe. But we've got, I think, some other winners uh, coming up before then. So, Seth, what do we got this week? Uh, in the rectal exam, let's start with uh, let's start with my actor slash actress hint. Actor slash actress, Regina Hall. Okay, I know this one. Uh, Regina Hall. I'm actually very excited about this movie. Uh, this is Little, is what it's called. It sure is. Okay. By the way, quick blurb about that movie. Written written by the uh, daughter from Blackish. She's like fucking 14, and she already has a movie deal with. Uh, whatever studio is putting this movie out, basically a reversal of big where Regina Hall is going to become a a 15 year old girl and have to go about her job and stuff. So I'm excited for this. I'm definitely going to go see it. 
uh, Issa Rae is in this one too, and people are really excited about her. So, uh, Little, Little is the actress. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's go to director. Director David S. Sandberg, F. Sandberg. I I know this one too, uh, so I'm very excited. Uh, <laughs> Some some of our listeners may have seen advanced screenings of this. I know uh, I know that Jared did at Jared Buckendall, and he has ranked all of his D- DCEU movies uh, so far. So make sure you go check that on the YouTube's. We'll link to it. Uh, this is Shazam coming out next weekend. Aunt Shazam. <laughs> oh, sorry, Shazam. A misplaced yeah. uh, accent doesn't get get it wrong, does it? It does. Yeah. So oh, shit, next month bad. you'll be, next month you'll be. Turdy McFan face. Turdy McFan face. All right. Yeah. Uh, so the final, the final hint, and the one that is usually the toughest to get, is the release date. <laughs> Give me a release date, Seth. Uh, April nineteenth. April nineteenth. I think I know this one, Seth. Okay. So the hint for this, and I want to get it to confirm. The hint for this is whether it's an original movie or a sequel slash reboot. Isn't that kind of how it works? Mm-hmm. Okay. So w- give me the hint. It is uh, original. It's the first. I think I know it, but I'm also not sure how you're defining original. So I'm going to go ahead with the only one that I know is coming out that day. I'm going to say The Curse of La Llorona. No, because I wouldn't be able to pronounce that word. It's not it? (laughs) No. No! (laughs) No! I had it for sure. What was it? You act. You actually said the the title of it. You actually said this movie earlier in the show. <laughs> what? What was Under it? Under the Silver Lake. You motherfucker. <laughs> oh, you. That's why I bitch. picked it too because I thought it would be like it's. There's not a lot coming out during the middle of the month, like the couple weeks before Avengers, and so I was like, well, that one's one we've talked about since we started the show. I, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a title that we know, and I figured if you did your study and you would have saw that on there. But yeah, I saw it. I'll, I'll tell you what I did is, um, I basically and I think we might have been pre. It might have been before we started recording. What I said to you earlier was, I'll believe it when I see it if that movie comes out, <laughs> uh, because it's mm-hmm. had a couple release dates in the past. So I think what happened is yeah. I saw it and I said, no way You're it right. comes out. So I just forgot about it. Um, but I know that La Llorona is coming out that day. Um, man, I really, I was feeling it too. I was feeling it today. So, uh, yeah. I'm pretty bummed that I lost, but Seth is the, <laughs> Seth is the winner. I'm the loser. And, uh, make sure you guys come on back next week to hear what nickname I have earned as a result of losing this month's new release rectal exam. You should make my name Louise Banks. Louise Banks? Yeah. Why? Because that's the name of Amy Adams' character in Arrival. (laughs) 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 I'm just saying, if I have a suggestion, I just want to put it out there that that, that's it. That's weird that you went for the woman's character. She's a bad bitch, rival. dude. I don't. I, I don't mind being named after a lady if it's if it's one like that. I'm not. Dis- I'm not discounting that she's a bad bitch, but you're also a male. <laughs> dude, my name's Cody. I'm not concerned with masculinity in my names. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, uh, it's been a fun show. It really has, and we got to bring it to a close, but not before we give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more. T- one more 
nothing. I'll go first here, and I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a, a recommendation, a cautious recommendation to something I've been watching on Netflix. Uh, this is a series called Love, Death, Plus Robots, and man, is it weird. <laughs> That's the first thing that I'll say. This is an animated, uh, an animated anthology series that really the only connecting thing is they all tend to have some sort of robot in it. Um, they're all animated in different styles, which is kind of cool. They're all written by different people, uh, based on different short stories and things. It's an interesting collection. And what's cool about them is they're all under 20 minutes and they're all of varying lengths. Some of some of them are like four or five minutes and some of them are 15, but they're all, they're all incredibly different. Like black mirror has the sort of through line of it all being about tech and things like that. Um, this is very, they're all disjointed. None of them really inform the others, which is kind of cool. One thing I'll say about them, it is very adult. There is sex. There is explicit nudity. There's dicks. Um, <laughs> not stuff I, not stuff I, you know, thought I was going to see in an animated show. Uh, it's, it's vulgar and it is pretty entertaining. Uh, some episodes are better than others. I prefer some to others, but I would say in general, if you're looking for something that's wacky, that's different, that's kind of dirty, and that'll make you think a little bit, um, but isn't too heavy handed or too high minded, uh, just, just give a shot to love death and robots and you just pick out an episode. It doesn't matter the order you do them in. In fact, uh, I've heard that on Netflix, um, different people get a different order of the episodes for whatever reason. So I'd be interested to see, uh, check out a couple episodes. If there are some you like or some you hate, hit me up at underscore Cody Michael. Uh, and let's talk about what episodes you liked. Seth, one thing I know you're going to like about this, uh, Nolan North appears as a voice actor in a couple of, uh, mm. couple of episodes. He's famously Nathan Drake, as you know, uh, in the uncharted series. So, uh, they do have a lot of a lot of talent in the show as well, and you'll see that from episode to episode. But one, if there's a main selling point, it's the visuals of this. Uh, it's a lot of different animation styles, but all of them are are really really well done. So I'd recommend at least checking it out. It's it's maybe not going to be the best thing you see this year, but it, it is worth your time, I think. So uh, love death and robots. So we talked a few months back about Jay and Silent Bob is getting a sequel. That's right. Um, and they officially now have wrapped on Jane Silent Bob. So they had a pretty quick shoot. And uh, I, the, so with that, I think this is going to be something that, that will come out very quickly. Um, I do know that, like, Kevin Smith, he does edit and cut the movie as he's doing it. So he's been doing that as it's been filming and stuff. So I'm sure there's a cut that's probably almost done already, if not done. So this one's this is one that I expect to to uh, be out uh, maybe even before the end of the year potentially, but along with that too he did do some YouTube videos and they're still kind of coming out of the making of the reboot, Jane Silent Bob reboot and uh, it's really interesting to watch. So I, I would I would kind of recommend that is if this is something you're interested in in seeing a movie you're interested in seeing or just a fan of kind of seeing behind the scenes stuff as it happens and seeing movie making because there's a lot of he in these videos he you know he talks to the cast and stuff like that but he talks to a lot more of the crew and how they put these movies together like he he interviews a guy and by he i mean kevin smith he interviews um a guy who's an animal control guy on the on the movie so the the animal control guy like goes and because they're shooting in louisiana so he fucking goes to like where they're going to shoot finds all like the snakes and alligators and stuff and kind of moves them and then when they're done shooting, they come back. Like 
he doesn't like hurt him or anything, but like that's that's his job is just to go move snakes around on a Fuck movie that set. Job. And he does just light fire <laughs> to the whole set is what I would do. <laughs> Um, but he talks to, you know, writers and producers and kind of just shows what life on a set is like. And he's always been really open about that stuff. Some of my favorite stuff about his movies has been the the special features and the different things that he, like different documentaries that he's done. And I think, I'm sure this will be a full-length one by the time it's all done. But just really cool to see. I'm really excited for the movie. So keep your eye on it. Again, I wouldn't be surprised um, by the if it comes out by the end of the year, he's already shared a bunch of cameos that are going to be in the movie. A bunch of people who've been on in in all the other movies are going to be in this. Uh, Rosario, Rosario Rosario Dawson is reprising a role, or actually, I don't think she's going to be the same character, but she's going to be in the movie real briefly. Like a bunch of people came in for a day and just shot. Um, I think pretty much everyone but Ben Affleck did a, a role in, in this movie. So that have been in the other movies. So. Um, it's cool. I'm excited for this, uh, a lot. And, and, uh, you know, for those who want to check out any, you know, like are interested in movie making at all, these, I think those are really cool videos to, to check out. So there you go. Behind the scenes of Jay and silent Bob reboot. Uh, that stuff. I, I would agree with what you're saying. Uh, Kevin Smith is always really cool and, and upfront and open with the process, which is very cool. I'd, I would, I would wait. I would go as far as to say that that's probably one of the reasons you're so into film is because he's kind of opened mm-hmm. up that world to you uh, and to me as well. So uh, very cool. We love supporting Kevin Smith. He's a good dude. Um, and so uh, make sure you check that stuff out. I'll, I'll see if I can find the YouTube. I'll link to him in the description box uh, if you want to check out some of those videos. So uh, we have uh, Kevin Smith and uh, animated penises this week in one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's going to bring us to the end of episode 87. Before we go, uh, Seth, you want to know what the secret word was? I guess. <laughs> the secret word this week was flabbergasted. Okay. Flabbergasted. Do you remember when I said it? I don't know. I said that um, you'd be flabbergasted by all the shit that Motley Crue was doing and getting away with. Huh. Yeah. I probably slurred I it, but I, I did sneak it in there. Uh, <laughs> what you? I had a little bit of wine <laughs> today mind. during the show, so what were you okay. going to say? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> were you going to say I racially slurred it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you fucking were. That would have been funny. <laughs> uh, so no dice for Seth. He's 0 for 2 this week. Or uh, not this week. 0 for 2 all time on the uh, the secret word of the week. He has not yet broken the code. Uh, it's because I'm the number one. I'm the code master. Everyone knows that. <laughs> so uh, we'll give Seth another shot next week to crack the code. Uh, Want to give a shout out to at Jared Buckendall, who suggested this week's secret word of the week. Flabbergasted was a choice by our good buddy Jared. If you want to hear your secret word of the week in next week's episode, hit me up on my DMs at underscore Cody Michael uh, or by our email at SokoShow91 at gmail.com. I'm taking any and all suggestions. I need some wacky words to stick into the show uh, so that we can fool Seth. So uh, let me know what words you want me to use. And with that, we're going to bring an end to episode 87. Let's not forget our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo, 30 days in your first book for free. Beep. Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all of your stationary and graphic design needs. And Mike's Wood, Etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wed to get your wood worked. Uh.
there it is. There it is. Thanks for joining us for, uh, I, I had a lot of fun this week. So th- thank you all for joining us for episode 87. Uh, be a part of the conversation. Hit us up on the tweets or wherever. Uh, ask us and talk to us about this episode. Uh, I have, for the final time, been Sir Fisty McRopes third. Uh, very interested to hear what you'll be calling me next week. And uh, for my good buddy, Seth Ott, make sure you come on back. We will see you next week. Bye. Oh. <laughs>